Oh, where's the cool music? Oh, there we go. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Nerve Ascending Podcast. Yeah. In this one, we're talking with the famous rock star poet Michael Clarity, a.k.a. Clarity, who is a poet, formerly hip-hop artist, performer, in the band Conceptual Elements from New York, from Long Island, New York. He is the great MC of the Music Exchange open mic here in Nevada City, which he started in his backyard in New York. Um, it's a fun variety show of poetry, comedy, music, and storytelling. He's been called a genius for his spoken word performances, and I can say they are outstanding. He's a giant of a character and one cool cat, and we're glad to have him here at the Nerve Center. Thanks for listening. We hope you dig the show, Daddy-o. <laughs> you really went with Daddy-o? I don't know. Is that okay? It's kind of dorky, but... I know, but I'm a dork. All right, well, mission accomplished. Hey, did you want to tell them about the Sierra Poetry well, Fest? Oh yeah, there's... Um, so, by the way, uh, Clarity is emceeing the Music Exchange open mic at the Sierra Poetry Festival at the Miners Foundry in Nevada City, and that's happening... Uh, Saturday, Saturday, May 30th. May 30th. Get on down. Get on up. Yeah. Get whatever direction you need to do to get here. Get it. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you in part by HeavenlyStreams.com. Are you struggling with energy and tired of the jitteriness offered by gas station energy drinks? Well, friends, I'd like to introduce you to Bongers. I've been an acupuncturist for the past 20 years. I've been to China and traveled all around the world, and I've never, ever heard of Bongers until just last week when I set out to find a tool to use for self-massage in my Alchemical Journey to Higher Levels program. Well, my research paid off big time because I think I found the perfect thing. Bongers. What are bongers, you ask? Well, I'm just going to read from the box. Bongers are a massage tool derived from a traditional Japanese massage technique called mogonote, meaning grandchildren's hands. After a hard day working in the rice fields, the elders would come home and ask their grandchildren to massage them. But their hands were too small to deeply knead their muscles, so they would ball up their fists and use a percussive chopping motion, which relieved the elders' tight and sore muscles. Bongers improve on this ancient technique by replacing one's hard fist with a soft rubber ball and using a flexible metal shaft that pulls the pain out instead of putting more tension into your muscles. A bonger massage can also improve friendships and create new ones, increase communication with family and coworkers, and help bonding with pets. Everyone loves a free massage, and bongers makes it easy and fun for all. Re-energize yourself and others with the healing energy of peace, passion, love, joy, and bliss. Just head over to heavenlystreams.com bongers and order a pair for yourself.
carry like a dead bug and um, that was the single most psychedelic thing I've ever had happen to me without ingesting anything like you can't go behind the beads <laughs> yeah I like always peek behind the beads everything's legal at the nerve center yeah the grass is always greener on the other side of the beads there isn't a lot of work that is tougher than being alone and quiet with yourself for 10 days or 14 days kind of laying on my belly on the ground like watching these ants and I was like this is some shit I would do if I was tripping out like this is exactly what I would be doing right now like I'm doing the thing you know like I better let him know that like I'm the next guru or something because I'm seeing all these lights you know I'm staring at the thing that says like Barstow 20 miles and I'm like wow that was when conspiracy theories were cool editing out the pee parts and, it, and it, it's kind of like that it's like that experience is like getting into the ocean and just and just giving yourself over to the moment and just floating the reason why we all write poetry is because we have this like skewed eye <laughs> I feel like that's like uh, you ever build a Buick <laughs> like well, actually no <laughs> Thank you so much for, for being here and talking with us, Clarity. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is really cool. Yeah, it's thank really you very great. much for coming out. It's really great when there's like the live situation. The sound is so much better. And just I think it's really neat to have that presence of live. Yeah, actually being in the yeah. same room. Yeah. So we are drinking cinnamon, hawthorn, and lily bulb tea that Justin has just concocted for us. Yeah, we wanted something that was mellowing without caffeine. So the lily bulb's a favorite for calming the heart and the mind. And also good for the stomach, for stomach issues. And the hawthorn berry, also good for heart and liver. That hawthorn berry is, uh, is really potent. Tart? It's, really, it's like tart. Yeah. yeah, really tart. Yeah, I know. It's like, reminds me a little bit of cherries. or Yeah, yeah, like a sour cherry. I've never had it before. It's great. They make all these candies with it in Chinese stores. It's, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. It's one of my favorite Tawthorn Berry. Is that like, like, like one of those things where it's like you've had it a million times, but you don't realize it? Maybe. Tawthorn Berry. I have to start yeah. looking. Put some sugar with it and all that. It's good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. But it's not that common here, is it? No, people that know, they know. Oh, people in the know. People in the know. By yeah. the size of that jar you have, you clearly know. Oh, <laughs> I, like I, I get it by the pounds. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. For the listeners at home, this, I was just uh, put onto the um, incredible spice cabinet, tea cabinet over here at the Nervous Sending headquarters. What do you, what do you call it? Do you have a, an official name? The Nerve Center? No. The Nerve Center. The Nerve Center. That actually makes sense. Feels, yeah. Feels I like right. that. The Nerve Center of Nervous Sending. The Nerve Center. Anyways, well, so we're here to talk about you. Kind of. Yeah, you do some well, things. We know you we, from we know you from Nevada City, the Muse. Yeah. But I know it goes a lot deeper than that. I thought it'd be fun to to get into those roots. Yeah, yeah, I would love it. And um you guys feel like a good it feels like a good fit, like a good platform. Like when you said you had the podcast and then I didn't get a chance to listen until just I think just today or yesterday. 
And, um, man, it's so much fun. It just, it just flows. Like that's what I was saying before we started recording is it just, it's just pleasing to the ear. It sounds good. It's a good vibe. It's not trying to be something that it isn't. And, um, if it, it made me excited to come and sit down and rap with you guys. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, I was going to say, like, I've been to a lot of open mics. In fact, I, I, um, emceed an open mic back in Maine where I'm from, um, in a little town called Belfast. And, you know, that was fun. We actually did it in a Unitarian Universalist church. I mean, just like a, you know, empty church and, um, it was great. And, but you are really good as an emcee. You're a really good open mic emcee. Thanks. Yeah. You, you kind of, you really, um, have good energy and, and introduce people in a way that just, it's fun. You know, I try and to make people feel like rock stars. You do. Like that's it's great. Because <laughs> there's, there's so many things that set muse aside from other open mics, traditional open mics, and not in a competitive way, just in a, just, which it's just a vibe. Yeah. And I really enjoy how excited people get when you just put a little stank on their name. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> nice. you know, it's like, we're just make up stories about things that you guys were just doing <laughs> out in the parking lot or something like that. Just, just something to keep because the open mic isn't just, it's not just the few minutes that the person is up there reading. It's, it's the entire night is the open mic. So it's like every, every moment, especially as a host, every moment is an opportunity to keep the vibe going, keep it, fun, keep it interesting, keep it exciting. So it's like, I try to think of how to keep that volley in the air all night as, as much as possible. And, um, and I do generally genuinely get excited when I see people's names on the list, because after a while it's like a family and I do get excited. I'm like, Oh cool. This person's up next. Oh cool. Ali is up next. And it's, it's funny because I know some people I can really take liberties with like cracking jokes especially if somebody's new. Like, I'm not sure how much I can say. Um, like when I introduced you the other night, yeah. so that you were on tour as Emo Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did I offend him? But I'm like, he called himself Emo Phillips last week. So maybe I can say that. No, it's um, awesome. But I just, yeah, I, I, I love making people feel good. It's another kind of performance. You know, it's like outside of doing spoken word, actually just being an MC, being a host. So Muse... And this is the open mic that we, that you have, you started Muse open mic. Wait, did um, you start it? But no. Yeah. What it, the or, Muse Exchange. The Muse Exchange open mm -hmm. mic. But did, did this start it back in New York or what? Yeah. I started it on Long Island where I'm from. Okay. 2000, 2012-ish. We started gathering in my backyard. Do you know Pete Davidson? No, isn't he from Staten Island? Oh, Sta oh yeah. Staten Island, Long Island. Oh, I don't know. No, but we do have a Pete that runs. My homie Pete runs the Muse out there, but it's not Pete Davidson. So, unfortunately, that's cool. So you are from? Sorry, you're from where again? Long, Long Island. Island. Long County. Island. Okay, yeah. cool. It's like an hour east of the city. Right. I mean, I've been in New York City, but I, and of course, I'm an East Coaster, but I haven't really spent a ton of time there. You know, I just go to visit and go to the it's Strand bookstore, and that's a pretty cool bookstore. Which bookstore? The Strand. I don't know it. I grew up on Long Island, so I didn't spend a lot of time in 
what people know as New York, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. It's a whole different thing. It's yeah. a whole different thing. Interesting. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. What's the culture that. like there? On Long Island? Uh-huh. Suburbs, suburbs. Suburbs. But it's oh, also okay. like, it's, man, there's so many people. There's something like 8 million people just on Long Island itself. Like not even, you know, before you get into actually Manhattan Island and all that. Like there's 8 million people just on that island. Wow. And it's so, for so many people, it's so disconnected and disjointed. I mean, it's like ghettos and mansions. Wow. You know, it's like, yeah. But underneath it all, there's like a really thriving art scene. And I was a part of that and still am a part of that. And um, it's almost it's almost like the art scene is like in spite of all the, the disconnect. You mm-hmm. know, it's like we've emerged as as um, an alternative, as, as something else. And, um, that's what the muse kind of started as, as a way to just like gather all these, all these people, you know, gather everybody and have a voice, have a, have a get together, you know, have, I love camaraderie. I love getting together with people that I know and and meeting new people. So that's why it grew from like being a backyard thing, like kind of semi-private, like if you knew someone you could come by and then, um, just being like a full-on live public event and yeah i love that i i also like have had some backyard poetry gatherings here in our field in fact during covid you know it was like there was nothing happening i mean because you know people just weren't getting together i mean maybe some people were but a lot of it's like there was a lot of um restrictions and kind of not Anyway, I had people, poets, come here and read in the backyard. There's something about poets that, like, we always want to get together. Well, we, we <laughs> right? do. We, like, like, painters yeah. don't say, like, hey, let's all get together. Like, can we get together <laughs> and paint? I mean, I guess maybe there's, like, people that do that. But, like, and, um, I don't know, musicians. I, I guess musicians get together and jam. jam but, like, poets yeah. are always, like, getting together. There's well, always, like, poetry Because they gatherings. like to, well, they like to have an audience for, I think we like, we like to have an audience for our poetry, you know? And, and so we figure, well, and, and it's nice to have other poets listen because then they can hopefully give feedback. And I think, I think that's the thing is that poets, we like to talk and be listened to. <laughs> I almost feel like. I think, the, I don't know. The, the poetry almost becomes secondary to the gathering. It's like the poetry is kind of like an excuse to gather. But the reason why we all write poetry is because we have this like skewed eye and, you know, and, and see things through a poetic eye and see things through this, this filter. So it's like, you want to be surrounded with people that see that way too. And you want to be a part of something like that and feel less alone. Right. And have interesting interactions and interesting conversations um, and people that get your humor and then it's like, oh, and by the way, like there's poetry, you know, I feel like, you know, even like, I feel like even the muse is like that. Yeah. It's like the, the poetry is like the excuse mm-hmm. to get, cause I look, I stand back from the microphone and I look out around the room and now the Nevada city muse has been going for six months and we got a little like momentum, a little family of regulars that come every week, uh, every other week. And, uh, 
I look and I'm like, look at this band of misfits. Uh, yeah, like exactly. I'm starting to get to know everybody and everybody's <laughs> like quirky and funny and interesting and talented. And it's like, you just feel like my tribe. It just feels like I'm like, cool. I'm finding more of my people. I know. You I'm know? like, wow, this last and wait, what was it Two, the other muse, the, the one where we were all talking about like, well, well, the mental institutions <laughs> was, mental a, was institutions a theme. And, and I'm like, yeah, we can all relate here. Like we, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. People just We're getting all super would be, vulnerable you know, too. Like, like, I know. And that's really beautiful to, that people open up, you know, and, and their and poetry is the poetry gets deep. I mean, it gets pretty. I think that's where the magic is. I think yeah. there's magic in becoming vulnerable around people that you feel safe around yeah. that, you know, you can trust for sure. And there's like, it's like, it's kind of like a, I don't know. It's like a cheat code in a way, because like, if you, if you open yourself up and it's received and like somebody gives you their vulnerability back, it creates this like cipher of like empowerment almost. And, and you feel, for sure. you kind of feel like more, you kind of feel normalized, you know, yeah. especially when people start, like I started that muse talking about being in the psych ward and what I wrote and how that made me feel. And then throughout the night, I was so surprised at how many people had poetry about being in the psych ward <laughs> or about, know. you know, and, and like, even some people were like, I was going to read something else, but I'm going to read this instead. And I'm like, that's dope because you probably didn't expect when you walked through the door to come in and talk about your time at the mental institution. But now it's like this room full of fucking crazy people <laughs> all talking about it. So, and yeah. then dicks and everybody had a dick, a dick poem, dick, dick jokes. Dick jokes. It was all mental poems. institution and dick jokes. That's my whole shit. It's like, I want people to be able to like, like my favorite kind of interaction, my favorite kind of relationship is with someone who can, um, sort of unpack the cosmos and really roll up their sleeves and get into it and also make a dick joke. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, don't there take you yourself too seriously. You know, like, like yeah. do the work, like let's, let's have some heavy convo, but also like, don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Because that becomes a trap, right? That becomes a thing. People get so enlightened that they get heavy mm. yeah, and they can't get out of it. Yeah. They that's hard to be around. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to be around. Yeah. And, and there are poetry subsects like that. Like there's definitely, yeah, it's a, the, the poetry community itself as a whole is, a, is an interesting thing because you find all these different, you find people that are just kind of freewheeling people that are like super academic and like really taking themselves seriously and um, everything in between. And I just, I like, I like absurdity. I just like the <laughs> absurd because I just feel like it feels like the freest because I bet you with all those people not making dick jokes, really want to make dick jokes. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just like, just let yourself make the joke, you know, just say the thing. Just, um, yeah. It's like, if you're already doing poetry, whatever that means, if you're, if you're already reading poems and, and, kind of like assessing the universe from this angle where you're not writing prose, where you're actually like creating this, this code of poetry, then, um, why are you taking yourself so seriously? You know, like, like, um, you should be able to also be absurd. It's like a lot of people don't realize where they came from. I don't know. Is that it? From a spurt. 
from the, it's like, we all came from dicks, <laughs> dicks and vaginas. Oh we're all experts. Ex, oh, I see. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's another thing I love <laughs> about, was working on but, that one but that's a, another thing I love about the muse. Okay. That's, that's unique is that it's, it's a variety show. So you've got musicians, oh, you've got comedians, you've got poetry, but, and poetry seems also to be the like, spoken word. I like that too. When, yeah. Spoken word. Like, somebody read like, you know, possibly like fantasy novel or some, you know, fictional novel. Interesting. Matthew, like, right? Matthew. Yeah. Right, I yeah. love this stuff. I yeah. love this stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Like, um, you know, you've got Oboe doing the comedy and that hilarious storytelling and comedy and it's really fun. And, um, I mean, I never do stand up. So like this was the first time I've ever done. Well, no, I did do stand up. That's right. As, as I mentioned, I did, uh, stand up once at the, what's that place called the brick or something. And all oh, the old Coopers. Oh, they, they had a comedy night there. Anyway, I did, I tried a uh, stand up there and the whole place smelled like piss because the men's bathroom door was open and the, <laughs> and then they had the, um, the cigarettes out back. Anyway, that's why I was like, I, I got a migraine and puked afterwards, but no. It, and then I, why am I talking about this? Oh yeah. Cause I, I did stand up the other night at Muse, which was fun. Yeah. And it's fun to, to do, to do that, to try It's it. funny how so many people are experimenting. Like they'll come down and some of them will come down just to watch. And then some people will come down and do what they do, like be read a poem or sing a song or whatever. And the more comfortable, it's cool to watch like you like evolve over the weeks and go, I'm going to try some comedy. Or I'm just going to tell a story. Cause a lot of people are funny and funny shit happens to us. And a lot of people can just tell a funny story, but don't think of themselves as a comedian. Like what Lana has been doing every week going up there. She's and just great. Doing, yeah. yeah. And like She's doing comedy and ending with a song, doing this hybrid thing. To me, that's the embodiment of muse. It's like, just try something, yeah. you know, like just try something. It's not, this is not, a show, you know, this is not like a polished thing, like just stand up there and try something. And I get really stoked when I see people just try, like nice. just trying to figure shit out. I mean, I think the other value of, um, having an open mic is that it, it forces us to, well, it doesn't force us, but it allows us to, it kind of gives us almost the incentive, right. To, to, prepare stuff like, Oh, well, what am I going to read this time in front of people? Like, and then, so it's part of what performing gives us that extra like accountability, right? Accountability yeah. and like, okay, well I'm going to be, I mean, how do you get better at playing music? For example, it's really just, I mean, part of it is practicing of course, but performing in front of people like that's where it, it really gets, um, you know, the pressure's on to like, to do it and do a good job. And so, and I mean, hopefully, you know, care. Not even do a good job. Just do it and see what happens. Do it and see what happens. But also like. Like you want it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want it to be good. You want it to land, but it's like the open mic 
any open mic is an opportunity to, again, like not take yourself so serious. Like well, open yeah. mics are workshops, especially right. regular open mics. Like just go there and, and, um, and, and see, see how shit lands. I've, I have so many poems that are like me being serious. And mm-hmm. it's funny. Cause it's always about like, like love relationship stuff. And, um, there's a few of them where like, just where I thought I was getting like really real and serious people laugh and it's yeah. like, and it's consistent. Like it's not, it wasn't just that one time. It's like the same poem, the same spot every time people will laugh. And like, and I stop and it's funny because my ego is like, what, what? the fuck? <laughs> like, that's yeah. like, I was trying to like be vulnerable right there, man. But then I can see, I'm like, if I take myself out of this and just look at it from the audience, I'm like, okay, I can see why that's probably funny. And, um, and you don't really know that until you just go out there and start and start hitting it and then, and then prepare for it to be funny and, stop, yeah. you know, and I kind of like stop delivering it as seriously and I like lean into it, but it's like that repetition of like always going out there, always trying shit out, paying attention to how people respond. And the open mic is just, it's great for that. It's great for just trying stuff. I think you're talking about the uncomfortable moment. You know, when you get to that uncomfortable moment, Every that's where things get deep. Uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people might laugh because people might feeling. laugh because they relate. You know, maybe. I mean, I think sometimes we laugh at what we can relate to, or I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm just thinking like, um, it's like, oh yeah, I, I've been there or something. I don't know. Or maybe it is really funny. I don't know. Well, it's, uh, yeah, some of it is the wording. Like I can look at it on, on the page and see the wording is like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's funny, but it's also, it's also cool because like some of us like don't just do open mics. Like we do featured shows and we try to get ourselves on like actual gigs where we get paid and get an audience and it's not an open mic and the open mic helps us like hammer shit out and and really refine and just in the last six months myself it's been so nice to just constantly have a platform to just pepper my own stuff in and try out even like trying out jokes and honing my skills as a host and learning learning and relearning that whole role because it's like it's, it's like way different than being a performer it's 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 another, it's just, it's another muscle, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's cool. In the beginning, I was trying to shoehorn a lot of my own work in, in the beginning of this muse of the Nevada city muse. Uh, cause I was like, well, I, I, I must perform all the time. I need to perform. And then I kind of just let go of that. And I was like, I just, I need to host and I need to like be able to be present and not be so worried about getting my own shit in because Nobody really wants, I've seen a lot of open mics where like, it's like a platform for the host, mm. you know, it's like, is he singing another song, you know? And it's like, I try to be conscious of that shit too. Like, yeah, you're I don't want to do that. like the shit that I see that rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want people to feel uneasy. That's a big is. part too, is learning to be a good audience member learning to take things in and to, to see what works and from the audience slash performer perspective. It was like, okay, let's don't want to do that. <laughs> or, Oh, how could I steal that? 
but not steal it. But, but make it my own. Yeah. That's why I think it's dope that so many comedians have been showing up and so many people are trying to do comedy or, or just writing jokes and going up there and telling jokes and just being, and even just like really just falling flat sometimes. But I love it. Cause it's like, you say something and nobody laughs and then it gets awkward and then everybody laughs because it's awkward. Like I fucking love that. Like it, cause it's like, it's so alive. It's such a genuine reaction. Everybody's sharing in that reaction. You know, it's almost better than a clap where a clap kind of feels forced <laughs> sometimes. It's an unpolished yeah. turd. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, after the last, after the last muse, I had this crazy dream. I was performing like a featured set of comedy and bombing so bad. <laughs> Couldn't get a funny thing out. Just when I woke up, it was a dream. I was like, okay, don't do that. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's neat. So you, I was going to, um, oh, there's the veggie burgers. Mm. We're having veggie burgers this time. Yeah, I'm getting for, the royal treatment up here in for, San well, no, Is this so, considered? So no, this we're is, still, it's not Nevada is, City, right? Technically Nevada City. Yeah. Yeah. We're on this side of the but so other foot. Every guest we have, we hear. We get we treat them with, you know, dinner, vegetarian. We're trying out dinner. a cookbook. So Justin has made these veggie burgers from scratch. They have lentils, walnuts, black beans, parsley from our garden. All kinds of good stuff. Chard, quinoa. Anyway, oh, I'm so excited. Um, quinoa, sounds like burgers. a good protein bomb, healthy protein. Anyway. Oh, egg too. We can Three talk eggs. about. Yeah. Um, oh, so you, you're part of a poetry group here, right? Like the Poetry Crashers. The Poetry Crashers. Um, I am, I think I'm like an honorary member. Yeah. I oh, think okay. I'm, I'm part of the Poetry Crashers. Cool. Yeah. And that's they, like. They, those are the first like real creative folks that I came across when I first got out here. And how first, long ago were, did you move out here? 2013. So, so um, you've been here almost 10 years, almost like, 10 yeah, years from New almost York. Almost nine years, actually. Oh, time flies. Nine years. It's crazy. And you moved from New York directly to here? Or? Yeah. I moved from, from New York to Nevada city and then just kind of like worked seasonally out here. Like I'd work, travel, work, travel, work, travel. But cool. every time I was here, I always, put down a little, like a little root and, you know, a little root met. I'm really blessed with not even in, in, in poetry, but I've been really blessed to find avenues in life where the cool people are. So I haven't wasted a lot of my time with fruitless relationships or like shitty people. Um, I've definitely crossed a lot of shitty people, but I don't, didn't spend a lot of time uh, there. So the time that I would spend here in Nevada County, um, I would always, like I said, put down a little bit of a route, go travel, go wherever I lived on Maui off and on for four years. Um, but I always was like building a little bit of a family here and, um, just like in the last couple of years, I've just been like really putting down roots and like staying put, like kind of like unpacking my backpack and being like, oh, this is what it's like to stay in one place and try to not freak out. What brought you to this area? What what drew you to Nevada City? Um, I was kind of losing my mind in New York. Like that whole mental ward thing, that poem that I, we were just talking about that I read a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, that was around that time when I was just like completely having a breakdown and could not stand to live the life that I was living. So um, I I needed out. And one of my best friends from New York was already out here and kind of held the door open for me and yeah, introduced me to, to good people and kind of, I got my, got my sea legs with like working on a farm and stuff like that. And yeah. And I've been able to, been able to kind of do the dance ever, ever since with like staying put and traveling, staying put, traveling. Nice. Yeah. Do you ever miss New York? No. I mean, I miss my people. Yeah. I love my friends. I love my my community. I miss like, you know, I miss like the food. And there are some times where I miss like autumn on Long Island and the park that I used to go to and stuff like that. But I never like pine for New York. It always, it just kind of seems unsustainable and kind of done for me. Okay. Yeah. So other than like the people, but like, it's like, I, I miss Asia. (laughs) You know, it's like, I, like I miss Hawaii. Like I miss places that I've traveled, but I don't, I don't ever really ache to go to New York. You go back to visit sometimes? Less and less. Um, you know, more of, more of my family and close friends are leaving or have left. And, uh, the last time I went there was when Pete, who is the, the host of Muse in New York relaunched after the pandemic. Um, we switched venues and he got a new venue in a town called Huntington, New York, this place called industry. That's where, uh, Muse is held once a month right now. So when he relaunched that, I came out co-hosted and, and, um, did a little feature and that was really dope because that was a family reunion and again nice. it was about like it was about muse it was about the community it was about the reunion like it wasn't it was about eating a lot of pizza and bagels <laughs> while i was in town um but that's it i mean if i could pick up all my people and put them in in one place it doesn't matter where it is nice that's that's cool you still travel i mean Guess it's not the same with the backpack and just the Yeah, I mean technically I created the muse out here for a lot of reasons and one of the reasons was to hold myself accountable to like stay in one place because I also it's sort of a mental illness to like pack a bag and 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 go hop a plane with a one way ticket I think. Um a lot of it has been like me trying to uh a lot of it has been me trying to like run from parts of myself. If I'm being like honest about it, I've had some great times, but I got a lot of shit that I haven't reconciled a lot of my own traumas and my own bullshit that I realized like once I actually dug my feet in and stayed around here that I was like, Oh, I should probably like start looking at some of that stuff. And I was like, well, if I stay around, I might as well try to fucking get this community together, try to like meet some of my other people so that's why I didn't do it earlier. Cause I was just never around long enough. And, um, yeah. And, and now it's like, I would like to, I'd like to do some traveling, but it's weird because for the first time in almost 10 years, it's not like on top of my list. It was a big priority for me for a long time. It was like, I earned money so that I could travel. Where can I go next? Cause it was so good to me. It was so enriching the experiences, the people, again just keep meeting all these like wonderful people and i have friends in other countries and friends like doing like 
wild, fun shit in other places. And, um, and, and I love it. It's been really good to me, but I think, I think that this is like the, the turning point for me to like, okay, like, let me settle in here for a minute. And then, and then, I don't know, maybe next year at this time I'll be like, Hey, so I'm in Vietnam and I live here now and we're getting a muse started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does anybody speak Vietnamese? Saigon edition. Yeah, that's funny. I do. I, I think that, um, you know, this is just hearkening back to what you were saying about the muse, about the open mic being, a and poets wanting to get together. It's, it does, it's a community. Like you really create a community when you do an open mic like this, like, like the muse, like a good open mic, you know, like I, I organized a, a good open mic. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm like tooting my own heart or whatever, but it was a good open mic because it, it brought people together and gave a sense of real community. And they ate spaghetti. And they ate spaghetti. We had spaghetti dinners and coffee. Oh, and, every but, good open mic has spaghetti. That's yeah, fucking it awesome. Was, it was great. It was, it was in this. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was great. It was fun. I had fun doing it. Um, and, and your open mic is great because it's, it's like really welcoming. You're really, really welcome. You're a great M- MC and it's, it's creating a community, you know? And so like, I mean, it's one of the, like, it's, for me, that's, that's what I love. I like, I, you know, there's a lot of other stuff happening in around here. That's a lot of, there's kind of, um, I don't actually get out that much, but I mean, now that we're up here on the Ridge, we're a little bit far from town, but it's so easy to not do anything. Yeah. It is so easy to just sure. stay home I lived up and, here for a long time. Yeah. It's easy to just be like, this is where I live now. Oh, yeah. But the muse, it's like, it, it really is one of the best open mics I've been to. It's fun. It's Thanks. a community. It's, um, yeah, there's, I think um, it serves a real purpose too. you know, the open mic idea of yeah. having a place to go and express and especially to see such, um, such a strong poet contingent. A lot of times there's musicians with the guitar and yeah. You know, and that's why I try to really lean in, lean into like when I promote it, it's like poets, storytelling, comics, like, not going to turn away musicians, but like musicians have the open mic scene on lock. Yeah. And a lot of times a poet or anybody that wants to just do some sort of spoken word, it will be shy to go up, especially if it's like at a bar, you know, an open mic, like a big stage or something like that. Um, A lot of like a more timid poet is not going to want to stand up there and try to read a poem. Yeah. So I think it's important to have like, and then you don't want to say like, it's just poetry because then you don't want, cause I want you to come down and play a song too, right. you know? Um, so yeah, it's really cool. It's like, I'm never surprised at how many people just have like books of poetry under their bed that they're just like waiting to share. And you see it in the people that come down one week and they kind of just like look around and hang out and make friends. And cause I go up with the sign up sheet and I try to sign up everybody in that room. I'm like, Hey, what's up? You want to do something? And everybody, you know, if they're either like, yeah, or they're like, no, nah, I'm just here to watch or whatever. And I Wait, try people to, just go to watch. I try to put, yeah. Yeah. People will just come and hang out or they'll be like, no, my friend's reading. I'm supporting them. Hey, that's or, cool. You know, we love the watchers. In. What's up? I said, Hey, that's cool. We love the watchers. Yeah. Too. But Hopefully. I always, I always like try to plant a seed that like, you're not, 
like the people that going are going up there aren't yeah. different from you. I'm like, right. you have a cool story you want to tell. You have like anything you have. Uh, how about like your favorite poem? How about like a passage from your favorite book? Right. And, um, a lot of times either later in that night, somebody will grab me and be like, Hey, can I actually, can you squeeze me on that same person? Or they'll come back the next week and they're like, Hey, I just wanted to try this out. There is this one girl. Um, her name was, Calliope, which I thought was really funny because she didn't want to read any poetry and she was named after the goddess of poetry. And, um, um, so I can just say people's names, right? Is that, I mean, I think shout so. out to Calliope. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Calliope. I, I stopped myself cause I was like, I don't know if I can no, I mean, name. it's cool. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of badgered her a little bit to read something. And, uh, one of the regulars, actually the last feature, uh, the last muse feature, Marilyn Souza, she just had some poems in her pocket, some extra poems. And she gave one to, I think they were friends. Actually, she gave one to Calliope and Calliope signed up and read. And I was like, wow, like she was really good. And she was really into it. And even afterwards, I was like, you've never done that before? She's like, no, but that felt awesome. She's like, I want to do that <laughs> Nice. More. Because Ooh, when yeah. you get that praise also, when you just stand up there and do something and uh, you've never done it before, and then you get this adulation heaped on you immediately afterwards, like it's kind of a high. Yeah, you know? it feels good. Yeah, kind of, it's know? nice. Yeah, it feels good. And you're like, oh, I want to keep, I want to keep doing that. So like, I love that kind of shit. Like that's the shit that really turns me on about the open mic is like all of the unexpected stuff. People that didn't expect to read, people that didn't want to read, you know, that's, mm. and I think that really breeds the community because you get this like very specific distillation of people, you know, and it's usually like a really good, really good group of people. One thing we were talking about the other day is that difference between the poetry on the page and the way it comes alive when it becomes like spoken. Yeah. That's really neat yeah, to see that happen and to encourage that. And what do you think about that, that, that difference between a written poem and a spoken poem? Yeah, it is like it comes alive, right? It's like, um, I like both. I mean, they both have their merit. Because you can look at something on a page and you'll hear it, you know, you could hear it a hundred different ways. And then, or you can see somebody recite something and be like, can I get a copy of that? Or can I find, then you read it and you're like, this isn't really that good. <laughs> you're like, I really love the way that you performed it. You know, I really yeah. like it. Like it's the performance I was attracted to or, or vice versa. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I I love both. I actually have this kind of fantasy of doing an even more, like an even quieter open mic where it's like something like this, where people are like passing around poems or like <laughs> reading things and like actually looking at them like visually because I think that like, um, I don't know, kind of like if you're at church, you know, and you're like, you know, somebody's like singing, singing a song, you're know, looking at the words. And oh, right, right, right. Like when that. you have, when you have the words in front of you, front as, of you yeah, as you're hearing it. Yeah. It's like, it's a different, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like a spell, you know, it's like a different kind of, different kind of magic. Yeah. No, I've, I, I've been in like a poetry workshop group 
where, you know, we would do that, where we, you know, somebody, when they were reading their poem, they'd bring copies of the poem so everybody could look at, could look at it so they could give them feedback. That's kind of a, a more of a, something you do in a poetry workshop for sure. Yeah. yeah um, I have this idea for like a hybrid kind of like open mic slash workshop. Cool. Thing. It's like a little That's bit a less idea. Yeah. Um, I actually, I have to pee. I have a little bit of a ASMR fetish. You know that? Stuff? I mean, how can you not? If you just have mics set right up here, I'd be doing that shit all day. <laughs> you got, you got mic, mic things going on too. <laughs> you found that echo the other day. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do cool shit like that. I'm like getting more comfortable. I've never done. I've always been really intimidated by sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, which is ironic because. It doesn't been, seem so. I've been performing since I'm oh, like this is 20, much better. 20, 21. And I've always been around mics and cables and gear and equipment and, and all that and throwing shows and all that. But I always had, I always had this, uh, I don't know, this fear, I guess, of like not doing it right. So I always had somebody do sound for me. And um, I'm just now like, I got my own soundboard, I got my own gear and I'm doing the sound at mute. Like the first week that I came in there and did it myself, it sounds so silly because it's just a couple of mics, but um, I was really nervous about fucking up, but it was like, Oh, you want to have good sound. Yeah. But it felt really good about, it felt really good to like confront this fear. And now that I know my mixing board and can like, I'm getting to, like you were saying, play around with echo and just like funny hitting sound effects at different times and shit like that. Like, it's um, that's a big step for me because it's something that I want to get better at because I have visions of some other things I want to do with Muse, but I need to get more technically savvy first. And um, so I'm, I'm doing that. Like every week is a learning lesson for me. Like I'm hammering out technical. I'm learning technical shit. I'm learning hosting shit and learning more timing shit. And um, so it's like there's a whole world happening for me. Do you do any production stuff? Like what? Like like producing like no audio no because it seemed like it would be a natural fit for you yeah i mean i i used to just like record and edit like hip-hop tracks like over beats and shit like that but um it was literally with like one like two tracks on my computer like nothing nothing crazy but again it's always been something that i shied away from because i felt like I just felt like I wouldn't be good at it. This is one of those things that got in my head. So, and I was always around it too, which is crazy. It was always something that was present, but I always made sure somebody else did. So I wouldn't fuck it up. And um, Muse is becoming a, a, a path to like kind of shake that shit off right now. Did you do hip hop before? I thought I heard something about that. Yeah. I mean, my whole shit kind of came from hip hop. I mean, that's how I started writing and um it was really my first love uh like to the way that i love words and like really fell in love with language and uh my my earliest memory of that is is hip-hop and then actually like i did a lot of creative writing in you know in grade school but like actually like writing rhymes and poems and stuff uh, all that for me came out as hip hop at first. And 
then kind of <laughs> grew into this thing. I don't know, people are like, that's poetry. I'm like, it is? All right, I guess that's poetry. Um, and then I kind of doubled back, and I was in a hip-hop group for like five or six years. Um, what group? Conceptual Elements. Conceptual What's Elements, like? cool. Uh, What's a hip-hop show? What's a hip hop show like? I think I've been to like one or two hip hop shows. I mean, I can't speak to how they are now, but in the nineties in New York, they were fun as hell. <laughs> but, um, no, but my group was, this was like 2006, um, ish. You have a turntable list, somebody chopping up beats. Yeah, We had a DJ and then there was like varying MCs. It was like anywhere between like four and seven MCs on stage. Um, tend to get a little, tend to get a little crowded at times. Um, it was a lot of fun, but during that run, we played a lot of cool shows. I mean, we did shows with like KRS one and Rakim and, and slick Rick. And I don't know if you know oh, any yeah, yeah, of yeah, these yeah. people, but yeah, those are big names. Pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had some fun. Um, cool. but I also like missed I didn't do any like open mics, like a poetry during that time. It was like, I just always wrote, I just always wrote for a beat. Like I wasn't like my whole shit changed. Like I wasn't even really journaling. I was just writing structured structurally, you know, for mm. beats. And, uh, and then when that kind of that phase, that, um, page turned, cause it wasn't a phase. It was a real part of my life. When that page turned, it was really nice to just get back into I just feel like poetry is so much more open and like I can really play with language and space when performing it. And uh, there'd be some times I'd be performing with my band and man, it's fun. Like it's a lot of fun to stand on the edge of the stage to a really dope beat that your friend made with all your friends around you in a, in a, in a packed club and like making everybody's head nod. And like, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but there are times when like, I would say a line and you know, it flows and it feels good and everything and people are responding to it. But I'm like, I don't think people really understood what I just said, <laughs> you know, I'm like that was a Did good line, you know? I, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and with poetry, it's dope because it's like, I can really hold on to that as much as, or d deliver it. That's the same thing too. It's like the rooms are always different. And with music, with hip hop, you're more or less delivering the same, it, you're delivering it the same way, high energy, low energy, but you're delivering it the same way. But with the poem, like you have all this like room to move around and like pause or repeat or like, you know, put an accent here or just, it's, um, it's, it's been my preferred way to perform, you know, in the last Oh, 10 years or so. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think also, I don't know. I feel like, um, well, it depends on the delivery again, but when it's just the naked poem, you know, you kind of, I feel like people are listening to those words a lot more than, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I think with hip hop or when, when the poem is being read or the words are being read to a beat, you know, and it's especially with hip hop. I don't know. Do you think people are really digesting the language, the what what you're saying as much? Sometimes, if sometimes, um, yeah. If 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 the uh, 
gear is if everything sounds good, first okay. of all, if everything's clear and the mix is nice and everything sounds yeah. good. Uh, and if they know the song already, you know, oh, okay, there are a cool. lot of times that people would know the song and they'd be right. rapping it with me. Uh, oh, wow. Cool. But it, it does kind of get lost. Yeah. It does kind of get lost versus, and not even like, not even just poetry, but just spoken word itself. Mm-hmm. Like just being able to stand there and like look around the room and like make eye contact and talk to people. And my brain is always just like spinning and observing and, and noticing things. And, um, when I'm performing hip hop, it's doing that too, but I can't stop to touch any of the shit mm-hmm. that I'm, I can't outframe. There's no outframe when you, there's a drum track. There's right. no outframing from you that. You gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that that, is lesser or it sucks, but I just really love playing with the outframes because it's so, it's so honest, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, it, it's, it's so real. Um, sometimes just in the middle of a poem, I'll just notice something about somebody in the room that's relative to the line that I just said. And then we'll just kind of like freestyle a comment to them. <laughs> and like, it kind of ties everything in and people will notice that and either laugh or whatever. And, um, man, that shit is just, it's, it's so much fun. You know, it's like, sometimes you see comics and you're like, you know, they start doing crowd work and I'm so impressed by how ready they are for that crowd interaction, you know? And, um, yeah, like maybe, you know, there, there's some, there's some shit that's like, they expect them to say something. So they have an answer prepared for either, for either, either kind of response, but it's, um, it's just that freedom to be able to flow that I just really love a microphone and an open space, you know, nice. to just, to just, I mean, you see, sometimes I start the muse and I, if you're there in the very beginning, you know, we'll turn the music off and I'll kind of just stand there and like, look at everyone and everybody's waiting for me to say something. <laughs> I'm just not saying anything and just kind of like drinking it in and taking in everybody's, everybody's vibe. And, um, I love that. Cause there's, you can really play with the energy in the room a lot, mm. a lot. Nice. I think we're having one of those moments right now. Yes, <laughs> it's like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> we're taking it in. We're, <laughs> we're looking at Aliyah. <laughs> we're seeing what she's going to come up with. I don't know. Do I don't know. That's really cool though about the hip hop. So so you, when, I mean, so you started writing hip hop, right? Right. You started writing sort of for hip hop when you were pretty young. You, you said came, like, when sounds you were, like you came to poetry through hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. of my, you know, all of my early writing was just emulating the hip hop that I was listening to. It was also a shift for hip hop in, in the nineties, in the late nineties, there was the shift from like really good conscious underground hip hop to like flashy blingy hip hop. And, um, I never gravitated to that side of it cause I wasn't living that life and it didn't make sense to me. So it made sense that my, my writing, my lyrics were emulating the shit that I was listening to, which is also the way I was growing up you know, and it was also helping sort of like my poet's eye open up and kind of see the world 
for what it was. And even though I'll, there there's some of that other like big commercial hip hop that um, that I dig and I'm fine with, I wasn't trying to emulate that because like that wasn't real to me, you know, and it didn't feel real. But it helped me find a voice. And then the first thing I ever really considered a poem. I didn't even know it was a poem. Like, I think somebody was like, yeah, that's a poem I got. It was, uh, during September 11th and I wrote this like really nationalistic poem. And, um, I look back and I cringe at it, but it's like one of the first times I ever really stood on stage and like got a reaction from people because I mean, it was September 11th in New York. Like shit was like palpable and it was like really, it was just a really heavy, really traumatic and dramatic time. And, um, this poem just came out of me cause I was surrounded by, you know, I didn't have the eyes and ears that I have now. So, and I was surrounded by all this noise and I was like, yeah, like America and like, you know, like, you'll never get us again. And I was really caught up, swept up in that. And uh, I wrote this poem and it, it caught like immediately, like I was on the radio and I got like adulation in clubs for it. And then I kind of saw like the people that were really into what I was saying and like the things that they were saying even beyond that. And I was like, I don't think this is like, this isn't my path. Like this isn't, <laughs> this feels good to like get this kind of like attention and notoriety, mm -hmm. but like, I don't like, I, I just felt dirty. I, I just felt dirty. And, um, I mean, it wasn't like terrible stuff, but it was just like, so pro America. Like I had no mm -hmm. idea about my worldview was so small. And, um, I, uh, <laughs> um, I just lost my train of thought. I just got, I just kind of went back there for a second. Main, mainstream will do that too. Yeah. yeah. I just, Get I caught just up thought in the about mainstream. that. Uh, but, but no, but it's like, you know what it was? Like I wanted to be a part of something and I was on this precipice where like I was coming into this creative, I was tapping into like this creative spirit and I kind of mistook this nationalistic spirit for that. Cause there was this, like, this thing was bubbling. I mean, people were out in the streets, you know, waving American flags and, and, and everything. And, and I, I had American flags all over my car. Like, it's so crazy when I think That's about so that because I cringe at that shit now, but it can be really easy to get swept up in some bullshit when you just want to be yeah. a part of something. Right. And you can see that. as is evident is what's happening. Right I was going to ask, can you please give us a poem on U Ukraine? You want a national? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, please don't. You want a pro-Russia poem or? It's so funny though because like that was what we were in our that was like back in well obviously twenty thousand two thousand twenty twenty one to right two thousand one two thousand yeah twenty twenty one yeah I mean I'm sorry two thousand <laughs> Jesus Christ sorry <laughs> what is my I'm spacey oh uh, yeah two thousand and one. I know we are in the year 2022. I'm sorry. Which is anyway, 21 years ago. Yes, I know. So it was quite a while ago. I just remember because I was kind of this punk anarchist at the time, hanging out with, you know, food, not bombs people. And actually, no, when nine 11 happened, that's right. I was staying in a closet 
in Portland, Oregon with a bunch of musicians. I mean, I wasn't staying in the closet with the musicians. I was staying in a place. I was like, that's with- <laughs> super punk rock. <laughs> I was living in a closet. I was staying in the closet room, you know, of this like this apartment that a bunch of these musician guys had in Portland, Oregon. Anyway, I was, but I was, I was certainly, um, I just remember that being, cause I had sort of met the anarchist punk kids and the kids who were like, yeah, fuck, fuck the American flag. Did they get nationalistic the, at that time? No, they were, they were more like anti-nationalist. Even after the 9-11? I mean, it, after the 9-11, they were kind of like anti-war. Like this is like, they were just very, like I was involved in anti-war protests, like anti-war um, even not, yeah, after nine eleven, yeah, I I was sort of up. I wasn't as politically aware. I was just sort of like vaguely, I don't know. I was I was like, um, I mean, I've always sort of been weird. I've I've never been like, I I just by like, I feel like I was I came out of the womb weird. I mean, like I when I was um, a child, my mom said that I insisted on wearing my favorite green snowsuit all summer long when I was two, like, you know, or three, whatever, like a snowsuit during the summer. Like that's the kind of thing, you know? So this kid who just was very like wanted to march to the beat of their own drum anyway, blah, blah, blah. Here I am talking about myself and like how weird I am. On, like, no, we're talking about nine eleven. I know. I was on like the first flight after that out to China. Went on a field wow. trip to China after nine eleven. Because of 9-11 or? The- no, no, no. It was just the timing. We weren't sure if the plane was going to go or not. And you made it out. Yeah, we made it out. Oh, my God. Day. I would no, be it was afraid. Like, um, my brother was actually in the air that day. Wow. Oh, he was wow. coming back from London. There's so many crazy stories <gasps> about shit that happened. That yeah. Day. And I think I've always believed, especially in hindsight, that there was like this really – there was some sort of energetic revolution that happened after during 9-11 because um i found my voice it's like that that you know that poem was played a big role and then thankfully i i kind of like snapped out of it you know before it was too late and um and then really started to like pay attention to what was going on around me but that's when i started doing open mics and meeting and you know to talk about the music exchange is to talk about this club called the munchaba lounge um, in 2001, 2002, 2001, um, that's where, that's the first open mic that I ever sat, stood behind and I'd go down there and, um, I would be trying to just like figure shit out in my head on the page. What am I even doing? Like suddenly, you know, suddenly I'm, I'm writing words down and sitting behind a microphone. Like there were people that I grew up with that were like, what is Mike doing? He's doing poetry now. Like what? But at the same time, I was merging with this new community of dudes that were doing and chicks that were doing the same thing. They were all kind of like merging out of their old high school, their old life and into this like kind of like bohemian kind of like art, art, music and art life. And, um, that's where I met some of my best friends that, that to this day still are some of my best friends. And 
the Manchaba Lounge was a Thursday night. That's why Muse is on a Thursday. I try to pay homage to that. And it was uh, it was every Thursday night, and and it felt it feels a lot like what we're doing now. And that space was so special to me, and like helped me grow so much that that's what I'm trying to honor um, in the music exchange. But it's also like, I know that it works, you know, I know that, that when it works, it's like this high functioning, it's like a church, you know, it's like this, this high functioning gathering. So September 11th, I felt like it brought out a lot of people that just had some shit that they wanted to say, you know, and not even about the war or about politics. It was just like this tipping point for like the voice. It was a tipping point for people's voices and, and for art. And it wasn't like, um, you know, in a sense, the open mic scene back then was almost apolitical. Um, but I think a lot of us were just affected by how fragile our world had just become. And we're kind of like, why are we doing this bullshit job that we're doing? And you know, wait, what? And we all kind of like anybody that was doing art or making music or writing poetry, like really lean in, leaned into it, at least from my perspective and from where I was in New York uh, during, during September 11th, I feel like that was a big, a, a big turning point. Um, and I can look back today. And like I said, some of my best friends came out of that space. So it was, and it wasn't a phase. It wasn't like something that like, this was just something they did. And then they became a good adult and like put on a suit and went, you know, went to work. It was like, it was a really defining moment for a lot of people that started walking that like artist path, that poet path and that are still holding it down today. Yeah. Cool. I, I, it's interesting. I almost, I was thinking about like, you know, major, um, sort of catastrophes in our lifetime, you know, or, or, life-changing, world-changing, pivotal moments, right? Like 9-11 and really this freaking pandemic, right? I mean, this has been like kind of on par in terms of like, it's, it's a pretty big deal, right? We've been, and so, and I feel like we're seeing kind of, we're witnessing a, a little bit of a similar coming out of the woodwork of people, like people, people talking about like, Hey, we have got something to talk about now. We got something to like, you know, complain about, or like have these, you know, express our emotions about this. Like, cause a lot of you've seen people come and talk about it and, and or even not even necessarily about it, but, but just like really glad to finally not be isolated anymore and just like get out and, and I mean, I think a lot of musicians have been writing music during these times of isolation. Probably people have been writing poetry, I hope. I mean, you know, like... I, it's, it was like a long, it was like a, a two-year inhale, right? It was right. like a really long inhale. <laughs> and yeah. finally people are like, <sighs> like, like yeah. exhaling. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's a, a little bit of that vibe where it's like, finally we can take the mask off and just like fucking look at each other. Yeah. And there's a little, you know, a little bit of that relief and kind of, I mean, hopefully, you know, some people are still wearing masks and, you know, God well, bless like them, but fucking, whatever. I think there's like nine, maybe 10 open mics yeah. in the County or at least in grass Valley, Nevada city right now that I don't think were there last year. 
Right. Like they, they're just springing up. Yeah. Uh, and it's dope. I'm actually working on, I'm putting something together that's going to like marry. I'm going to try to marry all the open mics and, and make a, try to make it like one community. The merry micsters. No, <laughs> uh, no, something close. I have a name. Um, but, uh, I think that's indicative of like people just want to come out and say shit. People want to play it. They all, like, there's so many musicians in this town, Yeah, you know, sitting in houses like this with all their gear, just like, honey, you want to hear that song I played or I wrote? You want to hear it again? <laughs> Will you just go to a fucking open mic? <laughs> yeah. We did, uh, the muse was actually, um, a really cool thing happened because of the pandemic. Uh, so, um, Pete, and Andrea are the co-hosts of the the live muse in New York. And then um, when everything got shut down, they started open mic from the edge. Uh, and it's uh, it's a, it was a virtual open mic on um, on Facebook Live. Then it moved over to Twitch, and people would just submit their videos of them reading poems, um, do, painting like a time lapse of them painting a painting. And it was all the people in our community, you know, it was all the regular people that were coming to Muse um, were submitting stuff. And and then now they were, um, and then we'd all kind of meet in the chat room, you know, because nice. you can watch the video in chat. So now it's like kind of like you're hanging out with your friends. Right. And, um, and it grew even bigger because now I ha- finally have a way for all the crazy people in California that I've met to be like, Hey, make a video and submit it and try to like really bridge like the East and the West muses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was also stuck in Thailand during that time, during the pandemic, during, um, open mic from the edge. So it gave me something to do and gave me something to look forward to. And it was like 8am on Friday mornings for me. So (laughs) I would love, like I'd I'd wake up so excited. Like I'd wake up, I'd make coffee, I'd set up my computer and, um, you know, I'd start my day with my friends, you know, and, and, uh, and everybody started every week. It got better and better because people started just straight up doing a selfie couple minute video of reading a poem. And then everybody started to get more technically advanced. And then they're like making these like edited full on edited videos. And it was really cool to see everybody really stepping it up and doing music videos and, um, people actually acknowledging people from the East coast becoming fans because, uh, the people from the West coast was submitting stuff, stuff in regularly. So now everybody like getting excited to see these people that I've known for years. And I'm like, I've always just wanted you guys to meet each other, you know, and everybody's meeting each other. So it bred this, like, like it, it, it saved me from going crazy. It bred this like new online community. Um, and we're actually bringing it back April 28th or we're starting the open mic from the edge again um, on Twitch. So yeah, so we'll probably put like links or something to the, in this podcast about how you can uh, submit for that. But um, you can yep, submit a video and kind of just virtually hang out with all of us and cool. and do this virtual open mic thing. But it's funny how like you know humans we persevere like we like we have some cool shit to show for the bad shit that's happened to us. Oh yeah, hopefully. I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I know. already do. Yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. Well, yeah, I think I we think, have to. I think that's part of the whole 
artist thing is the transformative bit we do. Are you going to give us more shit? All right. <laughs> Let's see what we can do with this. Right. I mean, that's a, that's part of what I feel like our, um, I don't know. I feel like that's part of being an artist or a musician or a poet is just a writer, whatever is taking, taking the, the negative experience or whatever, just like the hardships and, and whatever stuff that life throws at us and, and making art out of it. Do you making, think artists are you know, doomed yeah, to, to doing suffer something, for that reason? Making poems out of it, making, you know, what? Do you think that's why artists tend to suffer? Is that the suffering artist bit? I mean, pro- maybe, but I think we all it's suffer. It's all of self-loathing. <laughs> You're oh, yeah. loathing about everything. I know it is funny that, like, I, I do feel like there's a certain character Gonna compost type. No, I just feel like we're not. I, I feel like, um, I just feel like, what is it? about poets and artists, I feel like they're, they tend to be real with each other. You know, they just tend to be at least the good ones and the ones who are like about sharing that stuff. It, you know, there's just an authenticity to that, that it's like no BS, you know, it's like, this is somebody who's just going to be like, Hey, I'm crazy. Like that's who I am, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Like, but you're but, probably my people if you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but but just but there's no Do they look different at the at the grocery store in line? And I just feel like there's they're not as pretentious, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. I'm just throwing judgments out there now. But I mean, let's be clear, there are also some artists that just really suck. Well yeah. Like as as people. Like I'm not even talking about judging their art. Oh, okay. Just like and that's really disappointing when you see somebody who shit you really like, whatever it is they do, and then you meet them and you're like, oh that's unfortunate. Mm. If they're really talented and they're kind of a dick or something. Yeah, because then you're like, well I guess yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I am so amazing and like maybe i'm arrogant or like that kind of thing yeah or they just or they just they're just fake or they're just judgmental yeah just just stuff like that is unfortunate because when you when i see somebody i'm going back to just the open mic space if i see somebody in an open mic i get excited to talk more to that person and find out like more about them because i want to hear more of their work and everything you know so if i approach them afterwards and you know, it's like, oh, it's like the only thing I really liked is what you did behind the microphone. It's like, otherwise, like this energy is kind of, it's kind of weird. weird. It kind of yeah. sucks. Huh. But it's yeah. also, it, some people just have a hard time being in public. Yeah. And That's I've noticed true. that too. If you can, you know, not judge people right the fuck away. Like sometimes I have a habit of, of, doing that just whatever to hell with first impressions yeah it's like, I, don't, I don't trust it's them it's like i i do that right away and then and then i'm like oh i remember you're the person who i thought like sucked and you're actually really awesome you know <laughs> or or vice versa yeah, i've been funny. saying vice versa a lot should we edit out the vice versas no maybe we should watch that movie we'll count with, them. Uh, with fred <laughs> savage and uh 
What's that? <laughs> <laughs> they, they made all those movies in the 80s of people like... Oh, the switcheroos, the Freaky Fridays. Places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big. Big, and then... Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Vice versa. There's, there's a couple of other ones. You ever write a screenplay? <laughs> I feel like that's like, uh, you ever build a Buick? <laughs> I was like, wow. Actually, no. <laughs> no. Working on one right now. <laughs> never build a Buick. That's a good one. Uh, um, no, I've never, I've never written a screenplay. I think we got a tidbit though. What? Did you ever build a Buick? <laughs> I wrote a play once. Did you? Yeah, and people performed it. That's cool. Wow. It was an anti-war. Pro- it was you like the it was, person this was, who wasn't in. I know this was like after nine wow. eleven, right? And and oh, and see? this is like Got I, you too. We, I was doing like a anti-war play. You got swept up in in the the anti-war. The I was like, yeah, we were well, we were yeah. protesting at the, against the Iraq invasion. I was big time involved in like the we we like, but that was more later. It's around the same time though. It started like yeah, it started, and then then they went to Iraq. Yeah, that was weird. And that was when there was a big anti-war protest, and that was when conspiracy theories were cool. Wait, they're not cool anymore. Conspiracy theories were cool back then, but no, it's like you could dip, you could dip oh, your right. toe into the conspiracy theory water and like enjoy the conspiracy theories, like the conspiracies about nine eleven that it just was about, all just inside, everything, just Bigfoot, UFOs, fluoride. I mean, just stuff that is oh, that's the turning stuff. out to be true. What about <laughs> John Lennon? What was it about John Lennon? Like, but all that shit was like back then was like. It was fresh. It was fresh and it was, um, it didn't feel like propaganda. And now I feel like it's like really propagandized and it's really mm-hmm. like, um, people define themselves by the conspiracy theories that they believe in. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's really weird to see the QAnon thing and stuff. Yeah, like that's weird. But again, it goes back to like people just want to be a part of something, right? right? And and if if nothing good comes along and sweeps them up, something weird's going to come along and sweep them up. Yeah, you know, like it's almost like we're lucky that we get swept into this like collective pool of like muse and and art and poetry and, and all that, you know, because. um I don't know. Maybe that channel didn't open up for that person and they just got swept into the fucking red hat wearing <laughs> whatever that, whatever's going on over there. Yeah. What is going on? What is going on? I, it's, I think it's just people that want to be, you know, a part of something. And they really think because, because if you watch interviews and you see, you see them talk, they really, really, want to sound like they know what they're talking about. Like they really like, it's like this, it's like this, like finally, like this thing has come that I can sink my teeth into and I can like take a stand, but it's always kind of like really disjointed and really not fully thought out, like not like not full thought out, but also like defining them. You know, it's like you're decorating your house. Like you're actually like decorating your house. You got a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like your truck has how many flags? Can you get your point across without, is that possible? Like I saw the best that? truck flag the other day. 
It was a don't tread on me flag, but it had Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a flag, um, uh, a Goonies flag. Goonies never say die. I pulled up to the hardware oh, store wow. and I was like, no, oh, there's another fucking flag. And then I saw the, I was like, does that Goonies. say Goonies? And then the wind, the wind picked up and it stretched out. I was like, that's awesome. No. Yeah. Of course we remember the Goonies. I mean, we all grew up in the eighties. I never saw the Goonies. I you mean, but then the Goonies, Goonies were the, Goonies. what were they? The early nineties, late eighties. I say forget. Again? When did that come out? Like the Goonies? Yeah. We were probably 84. Right. I'm See, and and we're, all, I we're all children of the eighties. Yeah. Missed the Goonies. Well, oh, you don't man. know who Emo Phillips is. I don't know how you can miss the Goonies. I don't know how That's you can miss. That's true. I missed Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips was probably pretty easy to miss. Arsenio Hall? <laughs> Wait, was Emo Phillips on Arsenio Hall? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know him from, I think, Star, Star Search. Star Search, yeah. yeah. I, I used to get that when I had my hair that length back in the 90s. And I didn't know who Emo Phillips was. And like, oh my God, you look just like Emo Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Justin's know who they were actually, talking about. And then I saw alive? him, I was like, what? Yeah, he was in the, that movie. The one with the um, Don't Look Up. He was in Don't Look Up. Who did he play? I think he played one of the bad guys. Wait, Emo? He did? What? I think so. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Wow, no, I got to look that up. I could be yeah, wrong. It's crazy. Um, I'm wrong a lot. You're like, he was, yeah. He was Ju- in, Justin's working on a, a song about, sure. <laughs> Justin's working on a song about, about the, the 90s, right? Or 80s? Is, oh, the 90s. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll have to, we'll have to get back to that. I don't know exactly how it goes. It was the nineties. We were happy. We were wearing our jean jackets. <laughs> About the last photo. Did you mat. wear jean jackets? I wore a jean jacket. I, I had a jean jacket in the eighties with yeah. um, guns and roses. Pins. No patches. I had oh. pins. Guns oh, and pins. roses. Oh, you were cool. Motley Crue. Yeah. I had all those, wow. Oh, you were a rocker. Yeah. Hesher, to Hesher. Do you know the word Hesher? Hesher. Hesher, did you guys have Heshers? What is that? It was the guys who hung out in the 200 quad and they had jean jackets with metal patches and they smelled like cigarettes because they were smoking at lunch. No. <laughs> and they kind of had a walk. They walked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo a little bit. Oh, I know those guys. I don't know. Yeah. I've never heard of he- Where did you grow up? You grew up in Southern California. In Southern California. Yeah. Near LA, right? It's a very regional word and just a limited point of time. Yeah. Now, Hesher. <laughs> I mean, I am from... I am from... Hickville, Maine. So, uh, well, I'm. You're from. I'm from Buttfuck, Maine. I'm from. You're from right outside. Okay, yes, but it's still Maine. So, I mean, in the '80s in Maine, I'm from the suburbs in Maine. So, like, I don't. I'm really kind of a a country bumpkin in a way. That's kind of like being from the '60s. Being being a country bumpkin, not being from, from Maine. Maine, like oh. from Maine and in an area where I mean, I grew up in kind of a country club town, and it was, I just, I don't know, a country club bumpkin. <laughs> I did know about the Goonies, though. I really liked that movie. You had HBO, I guess. We, I I don't know, or we or we went to the you know the VHS video store, and we went and got VHSs. Dude, the VHS remember store. that. I wish, I wish that was still a thing. Like I know. Going we, to the store like and renting go, and just looking. I, I feel like I watched more movies when I had less available to me. Like, yeah. oh, what do you, you know, watch like, anymore? Like with streaming services, like I just get overwhelmed and I wind up not watching anything. Yeah. But like going and renting two, three, four movies, spending like two hours just picking them out. And then, and then you had them for a couple of days. You had to watch them. 
you know, bring them back. And um, yeah, I feel like I watched more movies that way than I do streaming. And it was like an event. You'd go out with dad for, you know, or whatever your somebody would take you out and go to the VHS store and you go and pick out stuff and like, Oh, we can't be in the, this section. Oh, this is the rated R section. You can't go behind the beads. Yeah. I like always peek behind the beads. Oh, the first time behind the beads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, this is it. <laughs> it's funny because then I grew up and I ran a head shop for a little while and I just, my life was behind the beads. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is ironic. <laughs> yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side of the beads. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a, the other side of the beads. It sounds like a title to something. Beyond the beads. Behind the like beads. Behind the beads. It's just like, where are they now for porn stars from like the sixties? Oh it's no. Like, Beyond the beads. <laughs> 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 and so what's coming up um well we got today is uh what is today today is, today is the 10th sunday the 10th yeah so we got um we got a bunch of stuff going on we got the next music exchange is the 21st okay um and we have what's his name uh andrew andrew philip hayes andrew philip hayes uh, he's featuring. Nice. That guy's wild. I love him. Yeah, his stuff um, is good. He's hyper frenetic. April twenty eighth, we have the open mic from the edge that's re-debuting okay. uh, on Twitch. But then April thirtieth, we're gonna be at the Sierra Poetry Festival. They've April thirtieth. Yeah, they've asked the music exchange to basically like take over the open mic portion of the Sierra Poetry Festival, which is um an honor, a super, super dope honor. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm really excited to see the regulars show up with like people that have never, that are just like coming to sign up for an open mic and like, kind of like see those styles clash and, and, um, not even styles, but just like, I want people to feel like they're really, they're walking into a family that they're welcome, welcome to that. It's not nice. just like, uh, oh, there's another, yeah, sure. It's just another open microphone. You know, welcome to the club, homie. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important for the muse to always feel special to me. That's always my, that's always my, it's like, welcome, to welcome different. to our mental institution. Yeah. You got poems about dicks. You better bring them out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's great. I love it. Um, well, I'm going to write a poem. I haven't written a poem for years and years. No, you wrote a poem not that long ago. Yeah. The one about after it rained and the trees were dancing or something. Oh. Yeah, you posted on... So I do, a, you know, the poetry sharing group on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, that was a fake poem. That well, whatever. It's pretty poem. good, actually. What's the difference between a real poem and a fake poem? Um, a fake poem is just like, oh, here's a poem. <laughs> The the poem. real poem you That's sit and you rub your chin and you think about and you like start with a blank page and you want to get somewhere that you don't know where you're going. I don't know. I mean, I think there's just whatever. It's all good. That was a good yeah, poem I feel you like wrote. That's like saying um, it's a real painting and a fake painting because that fake painting I just did real quick. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like some of the best stuff you do, like just off the cuff. Really? I, it's funny because I Why did. Why do I waste my time? I don't know. I did a poem like I had a dream. In a dream where I, I was like reciting this poem. I, I met, wrote a poem in my dream 
And it was just like, fuck words, fuck words, fuck words, fuck words. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous, right? So, and then I like... I love it. I, right. <laughs> it's a great poem. And that was my poem. And I like, and I, I shared it on poetry. I was like, well, I had this dream, you know, and that was my poem. I was my poem in my dream. And, and, and somebody said, I love this. I absolutely love this. So you never know what people, I mean... I like that. I like the advice uh, Will Staple gave you that one time. It's like you were reciting a dream and she's always, she's great about recording her dreams. It's really fun. I try. I mean, I'm not always great, but yeah, I try to record my dreams when I remember them. And then uh, he said, just take the word. I had a dream last night off of that and you got a poem. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I did that. The the, the last muse, uh, I, I was um, trying to just, sometimes I just get rolling and I just, start saying shit and I'm like, Oh, I'm telling my own. Cause I was like, you can come up here. You can talk about blah, 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 blah. You want to talk about a dream you just had. And then I just started talking about, I was like, yeah. Like if you were running through a building with like some, some guy that you worked with when you were 14 years old, but somehow he's dressed like a bear and he's wearing, you know, and, and I realized I'm just like recalling this dream and people are looking at me. Like I'm like just riffing, like I'm just making this whole thing up. And then, uh, and then I kind of stopped. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just stop and people will be like, what the fuck is he talking about? What is going on? Yeah. I mean, I think that like the thing is I did. And then the, you, you love that soup of my soul. Oh, that was the good. Soup of my soul. Maybe in fact, you haven't heard it yet. We haven't performed it at Muse, but the soup of my soul was just totally spontaneous she was doing a stream of consciousness riffing, right i was just and... riffing we were playing music and i was it was totally stream of consciousness stream of consciousness just whatever came it? out of yes yeah, we yeah. recorded it and justin was like i love this this is amazing and that's something where i could just be like yeah that was just like a a what did you call it a, a fake poem yeah but it, it was like it well, was, that's the classic, it's the good like, shit, right? Yeah, that's like the it's classic like, Beatles thing. Like, oh, this was just a throwaway, but it's like, but it's, but it's like that's the raw. I mean, there's something beautiful about that raw, just spontaneous, spontaneous stream of consciousness stuff that sometimes. comes up. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's just like, sometimes oh, it's just blah. like word it's vomit. Just vomit, but sometimes it's really something special because you're tapped in. Yeah, like the key is tapping in. Yeah, not only tapping in, but staying tapped in. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, it's like freestyling. It's like, yeah. it's like I don't ever really freestyle because I can't. It's freestyling is like meditating, you know. So it's like I can't slow my mind down enough, um, to really like stay more than a few lines in a freestyle. Mm. Um, but then if if I was in this heightened if i was in some kind of just a different state of consciousness where i wasn't thinking about it mushrooms i'm actually i've been on mushrooms all day by the way wait what you're on mushrooms yeah that's why i asked you for some grounding non-caffeinated oh, wow. tea that's so cool oh yeah. so this was good for you yeah yeah i've been tripping out this whole interview oh my god all right everybody well uh, we've had people, t- people we've had psychonauts talking about this stuff we've actually have a person who is <laughs> Yeah, Not just talking about it. I just, yeah, I dosed myself earlier today and it's been, (laughs) it's been really, really nice. And I got a little panicky when I started driving here and then I got a little panicky when I pulled up. Wait, are we allowed to talk about this stuff? (laughs) I think, I think it's legal now, right? Sure. It's legal. At the nerve center? Yeah. Definitely. It's it's legal. 
everything is legal at the nerve center (laughs) (laughs) yes um yeah no i feel I, i feel good that's the thing about psychedelics is like that nervousness right it's like sometimes sometimes i think you don't take enough and you just stay in that like that nervous the edgy the edgy like winding up because there's a winding up you know that's like the first hour or two for me of like any psychedelic and there's like a winding up and then and then like you're getting your footing and during that winding up i'm usually like I'm usually really awkward and really nervous and really uncertain. And like, I don't want to talk to anybody or, um, and then, and then just, then, then I'm just in it. Um, but then sometimes I feel like with microdosing that I feel like maybe not taking enough might keep you in that kind of awkward. I've had, I've had both experiences. I've, I've had like the microdosing that like, kind of like today has kind of kept me, kept me mostly okay. <laughs> um, but then there's times where I'm like, okay, I wish I would just full on trip out right now because I'm like, you know, like my, I'm trying to peek through the other side. Let's do but, this. Let's do but it. My nose is really just going through the curtain, you know, <laughs> want to get beyond the beans. So, yeah. When I, <laughs> well, remember when I took that whole joke, the, my comedy came out of a microdose really. Well, I could, I literally was seeing penises everywhere. I mean, I looked at Justin <laughs> and he looks like a penis. I mean, he, he I get that looked like this smiling penis. I was like, Oh my God, I guess that wasn't a microdose. I mean, it was a microdose, but I just ate one mushroom, but it, but it really was strong. And I really did see this penis in the sky, this like with the, little wispy line coming out of the end of it, this cloud penis, you know, and then I was looking at the trees and they were all, I swear they were penises. And was it mushrooms? You want mushrooms? It was happiness is everywhere. It was, it was a mushroom. Well, because mushrooms, a mushroom. I feel like because mushrooms they are, are also, penises. Mushrooms are, yeah, mushrooms sense. are like the earth's penises. Seen, I've never seen so many penises. I know. I saw so many penises. <laughs> Happiness is everywhere. Anyway, penis is everywhere. (laughs) Anyway, there's my joke, my little comedy. But yeah, I I feel like um, yeah, the mushrooms have this wonderful, as we've said before. This has been a statement before on our podcast. The psychedelics always seem to come up somehow on our on this podcast. Um, I don't know that we've had any episode yet where psychedelics have not somehow they they seem to just creep in we don't intend it to be but it's like maybe it's oh. the name it's in the vibe yeah maybe it's, it's maybe the vibe it's the, uh, well, we love the them. nature I mean, of the guests that you're inviting yes well that's true but <laughs> probably it. <laughs> yeah well you know i i mean i didn't know that you were on mushrooms when i yeah or i you know i had no idea but but the but um that's wonderful i mean i love mushrooms they're fun guys and but and they're um haha Sorry, that that was that awful joke. <laughs> oh my god! No, no, okay, that one, that one <laughs> fell flat on the floor. Yes, um, I am not usually a stand-up comedian, and you can tell why. I had a, uh, I had a um, tumultuous relationship with mushrooms uh, when I first got out here. I've told the story before. Um, I got 
really high, really fast down at the Yuba River. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. I just thought like, hey, I just moved. Like, I, I've been really depressed. I'm in California now. Uh, okay, brain change, you know? Like, I just, I just thought I could flip a switch. And, um, you know, after a month, I could just be better because I'm I'm in California. And I, I'll eat these mushrooms and they'll speed the process up. And I went down to the river and I did that. And I, I enjoyed about the first 45 minutes of it until I started losing my fucking mind. And I got, and I, and I panicked and I did everything you're not supposed to do. Like I went off by myself into a body of water that I didn't know. And, um, in a, in a, in a state that I don't, don't even know. And, um, I tried to leave and I got really disoriented and I, I couldn't find my way out back up the riverside. And, uh. I really just, I really started to panic. I really thought that I was, I couldn't think logically about anything. And I really thought I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to die. I think I'm going to live here until I die here. And <laughs> like, that's like, that's it. And I was really just letting the, I'm usually, I'm usually really good with checking myself and I'm really good with, I'm a really good drug mom. Like I'm really good with sitting with someone if they need it. Um, because sometimes that helps you get through it. If you're struggling and somebody else is struggling, you're like, here, let me, here, here, I got you. Let me take care of you. Cause through that, I can also take care of myself. But this day I was not taking care of anything. And, um, I eventually found, <laughs> I eventually found this like lady that was, um, hiking through the woods with her friends and they, they all kind of just like, jogged past me or whatever kind of bounced past me that's how i remember it this is like bouncing well there was another there was a man on a rock like downstream and uh he had on these like gloves that are kind of like webbed i guess i don't know i guess it's a swimmer's thing they're like these webbed gloves and um he was, and I'm sure that that's what it was. I wasn't just because I was tripping out. His hands were webbed and he was <laughs> leaping from, from rock to rock on all fours. That was a frog with, with, these, with these gloves. <laughs> and he was, and he was, he was coming closer to me. Oh and I was God. like, fuck this frog guy. He's trying to come and like, check me out. He knows I'm fucked up. I look sketchy as fuck. Cause I was literally just like, standing and darting back and forth in like this, like one little patch of like, like I was like, I'll go over here. No, I'll go over here. No, I'll go over here. I'll go, oh, look, there's a frog guy. And that frog guy kept coming, got closer and closer to me. And that's what urged me to go up the side of the river. And that's when those women came bouncing by. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and those women came bouncing by and I was like, I was like, this is my chance. Like, this is now or never. Like, I got to ask these women for help. And um, they were like, hello, hello, hello. And I was like, hey, 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 hey. I, like, stopped them. I was like, can you uh, help me find my car? And she was like, oh, yeah, you go right up the hill and you could make a left and it's blah, blah, blah. Like, I wasn't that far away either. And uh, she's like, 
I was like, no, 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 look, I, it's like, I thought it would be a good idea to come down here and eat some mushrooms. And she's like, oh, honey. <laughs> it was like, yeah. She's like, come on, I'll show you. And she like literally grabbed me by the hand and Aww. led me to the top of the trail. Nice. And I was like, stairs. I'm like, I know, I know these stairs. I was like, I'm close. And uh, she's like, you got it from here? I was like, I can do it from here. She's like, let this be a lesson to you. <laughs> I was like, you lady, you got no idea. I was like, I, I, I haven't had psychedelic terror like that before or since. Like it was like, it, in a way, I think I was like trying to be, I think I was trying to be abusive with the drug. So it doesn't like that. Like mushrooms don't like to be used like that. LSD, DMT, they don't like to be used like that. And I think that because my intention was so brazen where I was like, nom, 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 fix me now, you know, <laughs> it was like, make me better mushrooms, you know, they yeah. were like, fuck you motherfucker. And, uh, I, um, I got back to my car and like, it took me a while to like, I, I couldn't drive, but I didn't want to leave. So I just kind of like mulled around by my car and like watched the sunset and like really started enjoying my trip after a while. And um, when I felt good enough to drive, I did. I spent like a few hours just by myself at the now looking over the river and not not down in it. And uh, the river or the mushrooms or spirit or all three like said to me like, okay, we got you now, like, you're good, but don't ever do this again kind of thing, you know? And, um, and the way I heard that was like, also, you're not ready. No, you're not allowed to eat mushrooms for a while. And, uh, I didn't really know that that was real until the times would come where like mushrooms would come up for me. Somebody would hand them to me. People around me were doing them. And I would literally hear like, no, no. <laughs> so for like a long time, for years, I didn't do any mushrooms. I did a lot of LSD. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Cause nobody, there was, nobody was whispering in my ear about L. So what the aliens say, um, I feel like, do you think LSD is alien? Cause I feel like the mushroom is definitely earthly. LSD, what dimension do you think LSD Oh, it's transdimensional in? beings just, oh, you're here. You poke through. Hmm, you're beyond the beads, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I see more beings when I'm on, when I'm on mushrooms. And then LSD is like, I feel like it's like looking into like the fifth dimension or something like that. Yeah. I like what's your psychedelic of choice? But uh, these days I don't I don't really do much of that. I've had some really neat psychedelic acupuncture experiences. That's been that's been quite intriguing. You're an acupuncturist, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to holler at you about that. You get to that point where like you're transdimensional in your body, you don't know where you stop and the world begins. And through doing acupuncture. Mm -hmm, yeah. On yourself? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You're manipulating your energy so that it, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that the body is its own little biochemical factory. And there's something about certain electrical frequencies are helpful for stimulating different types of chemicals. 
I don't have all of the map worked out yet, but I think there's something to it. I used to really poo-poo that whole, like, you can get high, you know, like without, without ingesting anything, or you can have a psychedelic experience. Like people talk about Kundalini and yoga in general. And, um, I don't know. I used to be like really close minded to that. And not everybody's I, ready to know. I, well, no, not every, not, not, not only that, but like there are multiple pathway, like there's, there's multiple paths. Like, um, do you feel like you've like blasted off through acupuncture the way you would with LSD? No, 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 no. no, no. Well, that's what it's like. It's, it's much more subtle. Well, that's what Terrence McKenna is more sedate. Is like he's like if you uh, if you he's like you know you can then people will say like Kundalini or acupuncture and he'll say like well sure you know you could walk but the bus is right there <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know <laughs> but it, I I did a um. I did a, a 10 day Vipassana retreat oh, in, wow. in Malaysia two years, right before the pandemic started. It was January of 2020. And, um, that was the single most psychedelic thing I've ever had happen to me without ingesting anything. Like that's when I truly was like, yeah, like our bodies can really fuck with our, like our minds can really send us somewhere else without ingesting anything under the, under the right stresses, the right conditions. Like I, I had lots of ups and downs on that shit, but a lot of it felt like I was tripping out. A lot of it felt like, and my senses were so heightened because I wasn't speaking or, or, or hearing anybody speak that, um, I'd go outside and like, I remember that I was watching a fucking, I was watching some ants carry like a dead bug. And, and I was like, and I was kind of like laying on the ground and I was watching them and they were kind of struggling to get it like up over this little ledge, you know, and all these ants and more ants were coming to like lift it up and get it over the edge. And it was like an action movie for me. I was like, come on guys, like you got this. And I was so into it. And I was so excited by it. I was, it was, it, it was like everything you get from watching a movie and and then I kind of outframed from that and I, I saw myself, what I was doing, how I was like literally like kind of laying on my belly on the ground, like watching these ants. And I was like, this is some shit I would do if I was tripping out. Like this is exactly what well, I would be doing right so now. The thing is, so it's, it's bringing you to that presence, right? That real, like be here now that kind presence, of very, yeah. you're very in the moment and appreciating the moment, right? something that psychedelics and meditation kind of both do when they're done right. Right. Yeah. And so I've started meditating every day lately, which is amazing for me because I've always struggled to do it. I like, Oh man, this is, you know, I'm just not good about it, but I've made a routine of it. I do it every morning or every, you know, after I'm my chai and I meditate for like, I try to do 50 breaths and, then go on without counting the breaths. But it's like, and you get it, sometimes you get into the zone, which is that, that presence that you're talking about, you know, and, and, um, I'm not, you know, an advanced meditator. I haven't gotten to the out of body beyond or white light or whatever that some people talk about. Um, but, but you have still, frames of references of other experiences that have brought you well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done mushrooms 
I'm not uh, um, as much of a psychonaut. I haven't done LSD and I haven't done DMT and really mushrooms are, um, I did once do, what is that called again? Um, uh, oh God, that awful nitrous, nitrous. I was like, that's weird stuff. No, that, that (laughs) like the nitrous is like, what am I doing? Here, why you like die? Anesthesia or something. I don't know. I just took a shot of it once briefly and I was like, uh, what's the point of this? But no, I've done a bunch of mushrooms and enough so that I had, I have some pretty intense trips and, uh, and I don't know. I mean, they definitely, um, like when I did quite a, you know, the 3.5 gram, whatever, you know, the, the heavier dose, um, that brought me into this certainly another realm, you know, this, or this, this feeling like, you know, there's this change of atmosphere and you do feel very present, but it's also like present in this like kind of dreamy, like almost like you're stepping into a different dimension. You know, it's like, is the present moment psychedelic. So it's like, I've always thought about when we trip out, when we eat mushrooms, how we know that atoms are always in motion. Things are always in motion, right? And our eyes are making sense out of it because if things were always moving, then wouldn't we, we couldn't get through our day, right? So I always think about mushrooms and psychedelics in general the way like the first thing you start seeing is you start seeing shit getting wavy yeah and i'm like that's i think that's what's really happening that's what the reality is I like they the, just lift the veil yeah i think of? that's what's really oh yeah, that's my gosh. what's really happening maybe that's why the shit i think i think that's why it's the first thing that you see because it's like if everything is moving then um Why, why don't, why doesn't always look moving? And I think that that's a really stupid question that I just asked. Well, no, because <laughs> we, we got the filters, right? Well, that's what I mean, because it's yeah. our, it's our filters. We and have the default, the default mode network, they call it. Well, because you also can't imagine if everything was just always, imagine if you was just always tripping out, like it, it would be. Too, How are you going to get shit done? It would be too much. Yeah. You'd be too astonished. So it's almost like, it's almost like our, you know, our brain's are saving us or, you know, trying to save us from the magic of the moment. Right. But at the expense of the magic of the moment, at the expense of the magic. And then we get, so we get, we get pushed so far away from it that now the brain, you know, it, it, it thinks it's, it's protecting us, but now it's like actually hindering us. I know I missed it. Like when I, Mist, the mist, the don't miss the mist. You know the mist that you see when you're tripping on mushrooms? The mist. You didn't see that? Did you see it in the mist? (laughs) Right, you're seeing it, right? You get it. You get the mist. Every time you move your hand like that, it's like a cloud. Right. And so the mist is that's that's my description of it. Is like this and this this magical state that that they bring and and it's electrons. And when it when it when you go down from it, you're like, oh man, this is it. Wait a minute, that was really cool. I want to go back to. Why can't I always see that? You I know, think why can't sobriety is the um, uh, the what do they say that you're hallucinating, right? 
I think sobriety is the hallucination. Mm -hmm. I think like being sober, like right now, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not super high, but I think like this is the hallucination. And then if you eat four or five grams, then it's like, that's what's really happening around you. Maybe. You know, eat a couple of tabs of L, like that's what's really happening around you. But not certain drugs. Like this is another thing that's important to talk about because alcohol like is a really not, I, I would not say that that's an elevating yeah, kind no, of. When I say sobriety, when you I just say mean sobriety, like, like I mean we're talking about psychedelics. Sure. Like we're talking yeah. about the drugs that, um, psychedelics, which are called end. Uh, what are they called again? Entheogens. Entheogens. Thank you. Entheogens. I they say put it the wrong. God inside of you. Entheogens help you find the God inside of you. The connection to God. The yeah, connection to whatever, yeah, no. No, that, that creates so a territorial I just wanted boundary to make that, that clear to that we are not it. advocating alcohol No, my, at I, all. I heard, even as I said sobriety, I'm like, it's got a weird connotation to it. To alcohol, um, yeah. But to me, it, it's just, I, I when I said that, I just mean like baseline. Yeah. Like just, you know. Default mode. Default, which, you know, we call being sober, right, I think. I think, I think I so. I guess, yeah, different people's defaults are different. Huh? Right. Some people are just default drunk. It's weird that yeah. that the the drugs that are legal, I mean, and I think some of these ethnogens are are becoming not more, ethnio, entheo. I mean, entheogens. Eth See, I do it. Ethnogens turn you into an ethnic person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, entheogens. The entheogens. I know. Um, you know that that they are um, becoming more legal more accepted i think hopefully i mean they're legal now in portland portland oregon and so i have been doing anyway um i haven't said this publicly to anybody i've been doing um clinical ketamine treatments wow i've been depression. seeing about those yeah yeah you're doing that wow yeah i go every four to six weeks how's that Really amazing, really amazing, really, it's been really helpful. It's been six months or so now, and I can really, I have enough, there's enough space to look back and reflect on kind of what, if it's working and what it's, what it's doing. And, um, it's been really, really, really helpful. And it's funny because for the first few weeks, all I could really note was, how fucking high I got. Like, I've never been that high on ketamine before. Like, it's insane. But to say that, like, that's the the whole thing about it, like, that's not the whole experience. Like, to me, that's just, like, I look forward to it because it's really fun, but it's actually rewiring my brain. It's actually, like, I can feel it for days after re- I can feel my brain just rewiring itself. Interesting. Wow. And um, yeah, and it's it's wild. I mean, you go, I get an injection, and for about an hour, I'm just kind of like completely like leave the planet. Hmm. It's it's so really wild. You Do you leave, have conscious awareness like, through this experience? What is or? it like? I mean, you leave your body, or you leave, or is there a body, or what? Yeah. I know that I'm, I know that I'm still in the doctor's chair. I, I wear an eye mask to like block out any light or whatever. 
Um, and so I, I, I know, I know where I am, but I also don't try to remember where I am. Like I try to really let myself go. Um, and the doctor comes in every, like, I don't know, 15 minutes or, or whatever to, to check on, to check my vitals and shit. So I can hear the door opening and I can hear him coming in and, and that kind of brings me down, uh, or brings me back. But there are whole moments where I'm just like, God, just in this ever changing flower of geometric light that's just unfolding onto itself and spinning. At one point, I actually saw my brain. I was inside of my brain and I was moving around files and I was like, like I was like, oh, there's that, there's that memory that's got to go over here. And I was like, actually, in there doing that, and I uh, I record it. And sometimes I'll just talk out loud and I'll just start saying shit because the doctor. I asked the doctor a couple of times. I'm like, am I? He's like, yeah. It's like sometimes you get kind of loud. I was like, I do. He's like, yeah. He's like, just remember we have other patients. I was like, shit. I don't. He's like, now you're making me self conscious. I was like, yo, can I just record myself so I can hear it? Wow. And he said since I started recording myself that I I don't say as much, but it's funny because I'll go back and listen. And I, I look just for the wave. Cause a lot of times I'm not saying anything. Uh -huh. I, I look for the wave on the recording and there was one time where it was just like silence. And then I, you just hear. Turn. <laughs> turn him. Come, come here. Turtle. Turtle. Yeah. Turtle? Like, come here. Turtle. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't have any recollection. It's really weird to hear yourself back and you don't Wait remember saying. Wow. You were. Are you getting you more know? aware over time? Do you have more presence of mind? Every trip is like way different. It's so crazy because the last time I actually asked him, I was like, is that the same stuff? He's like, same stuff every time. He's like, everybody's different. Uh, every trip is different. Everybody says that. Everything. It's never the exact same thing. So uh, you don't remember saying come here turtle or that experience, like the vision where of that the, came from. The no, there's a lot of a lot of shit that I say that I'll that I catch on the recording. I'll remember I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. I was seeing this or that. And you know, I'll remember it'll jog my memory. But right. there's some things that I'm like, I said that. I was like, Does I that freak know. you out? That would freak me out. Like, cause it's I love it. It's almost like, are you in a dream state? Like you're dreaming? Cause I know, you know, I don't always remember my dreams. I love like, it because I feel yeah. like I, I'm like, I just want to like, 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 I just want to chill out. Right. You know, like I just want to like, I just want to not be in charge of myself for a minute. Huh. You know, like my favorite thing to do in a pool is just float. Like I just, I just love to float or in the ocean is just to just like complete, completely weightless and not do anything and just surrender and just give myself up because I have just so much anxiety that I deal yeah. with and so much of my own bullshit that getting through the day for me is like, it takes so much energy. So to get to a point where I'm like speaking words and I don't remember saying them, like to me, it feels like I've reached that. I'm like, that's fucking cool. That means I was completely, and those words were also like, as honest as they could be, right. even if it was like turtle, it was, there was no pretense. There was, it wasn't me 
trying to make sense of anything or trying to say anything. It was just like, blah, like this just came out of me. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's kind of like that. It's like that experience is like getting into the ocean and just, and just giving yourself over to the moment and just floating. Wow. Uh, and I really have you ever had it. acupuncture before? I think you'll like it. Yeah, given this, I had this acupuncture one time in my life. And it's so funny because I was just talking with a friend. I have um, arthritis in my hip and I have a really, it's getting worse. And um, she was giving me a massage and she was like, really late. She's like, she get acupuncture. Have you ever had acupuncture? I'm like, you know, I haven't thought about acupuncture in a while. And this was just a few days ago. And now you're bringing it up. So I'm like, it's really, it's really funny. I had acupuncture on... I had, an, I had an ear infection. My friend came over in like the middle of the night and she gave me like, I don't know. She put some needles here around the ear. She put some needles in my hand. And then the ear infection is like one of the worst pains ever. It's just like, it's so bad. And it, within like a few minutes, it was totally alleviated. Like it was like, I was like, what the fuck? It's like magic. Like that. I went from like sobbing on my bed because I couldn't sleep because of this pain to like actually kind of felt like, like I had taken a little bit of a painkiller or something. I was so relaxed and that's my only experience yeah. with acupuncture. So yeah, I would love to. Would yeah. It'd be yeah, interesting to see how your brain, how your brain works with it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, cause there's me, that surrender bit. Can you give me a, a treatment that, that'll make me trip out? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do you want? In, uppers, downers, inside outers. <laughs> Screamers, laughers, <laughs> got a whole salt shaker full of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, you do get I kind of floaty, like because I'm sorry for the people uh, listening. <laughs> no, I've had some. Well, obviously, I live with an acupuncturist who's also my partner, um, and I've had some treatments where I did get that floaty. You know, you feel almost like you're floating a little bit. You get kind of floaty. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, it's, a, it's more so. And, um, no, I just haven't been meditating. Um, I'm kind of also a glutton for punishment. So I kind of like just let myself go through shit and, and, until I can't take it anymore. And then I save myself instead of like being easy on myself. But just when you were talking about your meditation practice, it made me feel so good. Cause I was like, Oh man, yeah. I forgot, like, I need to do that because it does feel like a cheat code. It does feel like when I was meditating regularly, I remember how I felt like I could take on, like, I could take anything that was coming my way that day. And even if I was meditating, like, um, before I was going to do something that would normally give me anxiety or be around mm -hmm. somebody that was normally going to give me anxiety yeah. and I'd meditate really hard about it before I left, um, how my, it would just, it would just work. Like my whole shit would be calm and I would just feel like I was operating from a different, a, a, a different plane of existence. Yeah. It does. It, it, for me, it feels, cause I have a lot of anxiety too. I'm, and I feel like I'm, I'm less reactive, I think. Don't you think? I mean, I'm like maybe a little calmer. You're getting general. better. Yeah. Getting better in terms of like. I remember just, when she started meditating. I thought, oh, okay, I could play the piano. She's meditating in the room next door. Uh-uh. Stop playing the fucking piano. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking meditate. I did not really say that, but yeah. 
But anyway, I, what? No, I he, he, he makes a joke about this. Yeah, I just gave you the, the look. But anyway, um, I, I think that, you know, also like having a practice, or like a ritual, right? Yeah. Making a ritual out of it. And then like every, every day you do this and it becomes like something that, I don't know, it's just like, it becomes easier once you really get, you're committed to that ritual, you know, because before I would like be like, okay, well I got to meditate, but I wouldn't do it at the same time, you know, and I, and so then it was harder cause I'd forget to do it or I try to fit it in somewhere. But if you have a set time and when you're and doing you make it. it yeah. yeah, you it becomes a ritual. I find it easier. I also found that when I was doing it, I would want to just like squeeze in five minutes here. You know, like I would meditate no. more throughout the get day. a little extra because yes. I would be yeah because yeah. I would just I would it just feel so good. Now you nice. now you really think that might be the the thing that I come away with as I drive home and be like I need cool. to start meditating again. Have you ever tried the? Because I have a hard time with it too. But have you tried counting the breaths? Like just like so you every in breath. And out breath is one, right? And you count and you just, cause sometimes it's easy. It's easier to do that. Cause then you're, you're actually focusing on you're counting. So it gives you something to do and, and you're focusing on the breath and, you know, doing the slow breath, but then you, and you get to like, you're like, Oh, I got, you know, I did 10 breaths. Yeah, that's good. And then you, and then you make it yeah. to 50 breaths and you know, even just see how many breaths you can count. But like, I, my goal is it used to be a hundred. And then I was like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm going to do 50 breaths and then just go without counting. Always minutes. I would set a timer Yeah. and I would do, which is actually what they wound up teaching me in Vipassana is like noticing the breath entering and entering your not passing through your nostrils mm-hmm. and just like, what, like watching that. Mm. And that would suck me in, like just noticing, just noticing that. Because for me, the counting, I would get so caught up in the counting that I couldn't fully let go. Oh, okay. You know, and um, yeah, that is true. I, I find that's why I stopped counting after fifty breaths. I'm just like fifty to get into it, right? Just to get myself, and then I stop and go from but there to jump start it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the, I like the idea of watching the breath because that kind of becomes like that psychedelic thing of like, Oh yeah. Being in the moment, dude, doing that Vipassana, like there were some times that I like during the meditation, because like what I was telling you about with the insects and everything that was, you know, that was like during whatever lunch or break, but you're pretty much just meditating all the fucking time. You're just, all day. Meditating, yeah. Like, all day. Like that gong goes off at like four 30 in the morning. It's like, I'm like, what did I do to myself? Literally? I'm literally thinking about like how I can break out. I'm like, there's barbed wire. <laughs> the whole place is in barbed wire. And I'm like, fuck, they have my wallet. Cause you give them all your shit when you go get in there. And I'm like, fuck, they have my wallet. Now it's like that. Like <laughs> I'm down at the river and I'm like, you know, it's like that psychedelic freak, freak out. I have to be meditative. So, but then you, you get into it. You're just like, okay, well, this is what's happening. And you there get were into some days where I felt like I wanted to like hug everybody around me. Like I felt so amazing. I was having these like breakthroughs and there were some days where I felt like I was the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Like all this, like really dark energy would wash over me. 
And uh, I was having breakfast, you know, because you, you, I didn't realize that a lot of times these, these Vipassana classes are like with like 30, 40, 50, 100 people. Like they're like a big, big thing. But I was at this little humble little ashram in Malaysia and there was like nine of us. But there was like 10 girls too, but the boys and the girls were kept separate. So there was just like me and eight dudes. And I didn't realize until afterwards, like what a luxury that was to have this like smaller group. And I'm eating breakfast one morning next to the, cause you all have assigned seats and everything. And I'm eating breakfast and breakfast next to this, this Italian dude. And, um, I, I turn around and I look at him and he's, he's not eating. He's just standing straight, staring straight forward. And he's just bawling. Like <laughs> just like crying tears rolling down his face. And I'm like, and I like turn around like, damn, that guy's going through it. And, and at the end of the course, day 11, you all talk to each other. You hang out and you talk. And it's always really funny because like in your mind, you start giving people voices. <laughs> and then, you know, like I, I, one of my roommates is this tall blonde dude. And I totally thought he was like a surfer guy, whatever, you know? And I'm like, Hey man, nice sharing space with you. He's like, all right, mate, nice to have a room with you too, mate. And I'm like, Holy shit. You're Australian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, in, my, in my mind, I had a whole story about you, but the Italian guy and we're sharing stories and the Italian guy, I'm like, so, um, how'd you do, man? He's like, I wouldn't do it again. Nothing didn't really do anything for me. You know, and I, I wanted to be like, bro, I saw like you breaking down next to me, you know, and I guess he just didn't want to admit it or whatever. But I just thought it was funny that he was like, nah, wouldn't do it again. Nothing, nothing good, you know. Oh, well, well, not everybody's ready to know. Well, I, I went and I, I spent the next few days with a guy that I was in there with and uh, this this Russian dude. I know he's German, this German dude. And I came out of it like fucked up. Like I felt like they opened me up and didn't shut me, put me back together. Oh. Like I came out of it like really anxious. And um, I was staying on Penang Island and this other dude was also staying on Penang Island and we hung out. Uh, so we were like, yeah, let's go get some food. And uh, we meet up the next day <laughs> and we're eating. And he's like, he's like, man, this is like, I feel like everything, I met a girl last night and this money that I've been waiting for today came through and it's just like, man, after Vipassana, everything is just amazing, right? Why wouldn't you agree, bro? And I'm like scowling, like <laughs> eating noodles. Like, I'm like, yeah, bro. He's like, did you do your practice this morning? And I was like, nah, bro, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I was like, I was so annoyed at how happy he was because like everything was clicking for him and like I just came out of it. Yeah, I kind of came out of it fucked up and um i think that's why i didn't practice anymore i kind of i kind of like stopped the practice um i don't know i felt like it brought up a lot of shit for me and there well, was nothing to like there was yeah. no maintenance it's interesting because we just in our a podcast that we're working on right now we had a podcast uh with um eugene Eugene Allende, who's written this book, uh, Dimension, book. Dimensions of Being. It's a like about consciousness. He talked about um, of a passing retreat he went to. Um, 
as well, but he, but he also is a meditation instructor. It's a really interesting podcast, by the way, you should totally check it out. Um, he's a, a psychonaut. He's a, he's a psychotherapist. He's a, um, counselor. Yeah, he went with some prior training. Really interesting yeah. person. But any, anyway, um, he, um, he was in the book. He talks about, um, you know, uh, meditation. A lot of times what happens is when you, when you quiet down the mind, stuff comes up, you know, so, the, so the stuff, our, our baggage just comes up and we have to deal. And this happens to me too. And I'm, I'm, I was saying like, I wonder if that's why I haven't been able to quite get there yet to what the place he's talking about where you just can, you know, you, you quiet the mind enough so that you can witness the witness, which is means like you're witnessing your own higher awareness, like the, whatever is watching your smaller mind, the, the ultimate awareness that's like out here that existed before we were born and is going to be there after we die. The idea, the ultimate awareness, right? Right. I haven't quite been able to get there. And I think it's because I still have a lot of the baggage and stuff that, that I haven't quite moved through and let go of and, and released. But I think that meditation can be really therapeutic in the sense that it does bring up that stuff and you, but a lot of times I think people in order to advance in meditation, like we need therapy, <laughs> like, you know, we, we meditate, but all, like also go to a therapist and, and get and talk about that stuff that you're, that's coming up in the meditation. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's all of this shit. These are all tools. Yeah. And it's the same thing like with ketamine, like I can't, I couldn't just go and do that and then not do anything else for myself. Right. And my therapist works with me to integrate what I learned, okay. what I'm getting out of ketamine. Um, she really wants to, cause she's, she put me on to, she got me to go to Vipassana. I knew about it, but she really poked at me for a while. And, and I finally went and I think she was really stoked that she'd be able to implement. I learned some things that she could implement. And then I kind of like, almost like turned my back on it a little bit. Um, but yeah, had I, and I, I want to go again. I definitely want to do another Vipassana. Yeah. I'm interested uh, in also trying it. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I know because I know that I have a therapist waiting for me who is like really well equipped mm -hmm. to like, you know, it's like going to learn Kung Fu and then having somebody to spar with, you know? And so it's like, she's going to, I know that she can spar with me, you know, and I, I, I need that. Um, but I think, yeah, just my experience was so kind of off and so intense. Mm -hmm. It was also in a really, really crazy place in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I kind of just, I kind of just shut the door on that, that whole, that whole thing. There, there's some centers out here that do yeah. Vipassana retreats. They're like all over the country. I always recommend it to people also for people that like are homeless that are like looking for like, not just people that are just like, you know, couch surfing because they don't want to do anything else with themselves, but like people that are like really going through it and, and can't find a place to root down that it really honors where their heart and head are at in that moment. 
Um, or, and usually those people wind up, you know, being transient. I know I was for the longest time. Um, I, I think it's the perfect, I think Vipassana is, is a perfect solution because it doesn't cost you anything. Oh, really? It's, it's free? donation-based. Oh, okay. They ask you, they, at the end, they post, they, they told me, this is what it cost for one person to do this for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I donated enough so that two people, and I, I felt good right. being like, okay, there's two people. And cool. they don't, yeah, they, there's no commitment. They just nice. want, they just figure that the people that pay more will offset for the people that pay less or don't pay at all. So it doesn't cost anything. It's shelter and food mm-hmm. for however long you decide to go. Mm-hmm. And if you're really trying to do the work, it's, there is no, there isn't a lot of work that is tougher mm-hmm. than being alone and quiet with yourself for 10 days, 10 days yeah. or 14 days. I met a dude that it was like his seventh or eighth time doing oh. it. He goes like, Every year or some shit. Yeah, I know people, um, friends back east who go, um, you know, for, I don't know, maybe once a year or whatever. But uh, I've, I've been hearing about this for a while. It seems like something that is kind of calling me. Um, but then you also said that, like, that, um, you know, after this experience, you, it was also hard and you felt like, oh my God, I, like, I am not. You didn't seem to be totally like thrilled about it afterwards. I don't want to. Like, yeah, I don't want to give it a bad rap. It was my own. I was in Malaysia. Uh huh. Like you know, like I was in a foreign country. I was already super ungrounded. I was already like dealing with a lot of emotional stress, a lot of depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. and I threw myself into this experience. And then I left and I had no, it wasn't like I left and then I came back home. Yeah. Like I left and I, I, I was at the beginning of a, what turned out to be a seven month backpacking journey. Um, mm. so I, I, I didn't really provide myself like soft landing. Like if I ever did that again, I would do it and come I home. Would set, I would set yeah. myself up to process more afterwards, you know, okay. to be able to actually process it. Um, and now I know kind of what I'm getting into. I still think it's a fantastic, like, I, I don't want to say because I had a weird experience. It's like saying, like, I didn't, you know, I had a bad trip on mushrooms or or the mushrooms got to me at the river, you know, don't ever do mushrooms. It was just my own shit that got in the way, right. which I don't think that there's really ever a bad trip. I think it's just your head. Yeah. Like, and that's the same thing with Vipassana. It was just yeah. my head. Right. Um, yeah. Landing ain't easy. What? Landing ain't easy. No, 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 especially when you're, you know, I didn't really have, I was just super just floating. You yeah. know, and I, I, I came out of this really vulnerable space into a world that was now experiencing. You got all hypersensitive <laughs> like right into the all, Yeah. Like that was all happening around that time. Wow. See what happens when you take a week off. <laughs> 10 days, the 10 longest days of my life. Um, but it was, yeah, it's, I recommend it to anybody because it's so, it really put me in touch with the moment. It really put me in touch with my breath, mm-hmm. like scanning your body mm-hmm. and actually seeing the energy, 
scanning from top to bottom and seeing where there is blockages and actually like getting to a point where you are seeing shit. Mm -hmm. where you're actually like noticing the things that they're trying to teach you to notice. Interesting. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then I started tripping out and seeing all this other, like these like uh, crazy geometric patterns and colors and everything. And I thought like, oh, cause the teacher lets you, you can speak to the teacher like once at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you can have like a whisper conversation with the teacher. And uh, I was like, oh, I must be special. I'm seeing all this extra shit. I gotta tell the teacher, like, I'm doing it. Like, I'm like I'm doing it. Like, I'm doing the thing, you know? Like, I better let him know that, like, I'm the next guru or something. Because I'm seeing all these lights, you know? Yeah. And then I, I, I wait and I'm all, like, excited because, like, I'm speaking to the teacher tonight, you know? And, like, I wait my turn and I take my pillow and I sit in front of him. And uh, I'm like, yeah, so I'm seeing these, like... And I feel like I'm explaining to him and he's going to go, oh, yes, my son, you, you're the one we've been waiting for you. And I'm like, ah, I see, I saw a yellow orb of light and it was, you know, morphing into this geometric pattern. And it really just felt like love, you know, and I'm like, and he's like, those are just signposts along the way. Don't get distracted by the light. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. I was like, you totally just fucking knocked me down to reality, you know? Wow. And, and then I walked away from that and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, that's the best answer. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be special. <laughs> I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be the one seeing things that other people aren't. And really? Well, they're signposts along the way. But not if they're just signposts along the way. Oh, well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, in, in my mind, I was like, I don't want to get stuck on that. I want to see, like, the shit. real good stuff. Like, I don't... I don't... <laughs> like, well, it's like, yeah, like, it's like, I'm staring at the thing that says, like, Barstow, 20 miles. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? Like, I, I want to be beyond the, the cave, the Let's shadows going, in the cave, get to Barstow. the Socrates, you know, the... The cat shadows in the cave, Plato's shadows in the cave. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get beyond the cave. Anyone I want to see, I want to leave the cave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of that, well, I was thinking about maybe we could have some veggie burgers. If you're, do you have appetite? I would love some veggie burgers. Well, let's do that. Thank you so, so, so much for, uh, yeah, for chatting really with us. Interesting talk. Yeah. Thank you guys. This has been fun. This is great. I forgot that they were microphones at some point. We there were, were microphones. Just, were just talking. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool. I am really looking forward to these veggie burgers. Yeah, they smell great. I know. So this is a raw stream of consciousness song that uh, came out of a jam session that we did a while ago. Um, just me riffing. And it's called Soup of My Soul. I thought it might be fitting for um, this Clarity podcast because Clarity's stuff is so raw and spontaneous and it has that really beautiful element of feeling like it's just really from the gut. Thank you for listening. Stand up and... Say, 
don't have to rhyme. It's nice sometimes, though. Consciousness here. Stream of consciousness singing. Stream of consciousness singing. It's like stream of consciousness writing. You just gotta just let it out. So you don't even have to sing words. You can just sing sounds. You just sing whatever. And the little inner critic that says, like, I'm not very good, and that says, like, all these other people are so good, and I'm not very good, and I need to, you know, shut up, because what the hell, and I'm not making any sense, and I'm sounding like a lot of other people, and I'm not very unique, and I'm not very original, and you need to just squash that, and just go, and just...